Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from the Campbell Center discussing the 2000 psychological horror film, The Cell. This film was directed by Tarsem Singh and written by Mark Protasevich. With the desire to take his audience on a journey while loosely adhering to the crime genre popular at the time, Singh engineered a film full of dazzling visuals and sets. Partly due to this, The Cell was met with mixed reception, hailed by some reviewers and panned by others. We are left with the film as visually interesting as it is polarizing. This film was requested to us by friends of the show and Wendigo getters Sophie Hodson and Bobby Holmes. We want to thank them so much for their support and for this suggestion. This film was also the winner of our January Patreon poll. So thank you to all of our patrons who participated and voted. If you want to help us pick an episode, join us over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash thepodmortem. So what did you guys think of The Cell the first time you saw it? I remember watching this movie... Around the time it came out, mm-hmm. um, visually it's stunning. Yes, it's great. Yeah. Um, the story it was weird. Um, that's <laughs> what, that's what I remembered. I remember I was just like, man, it was really weird. You know, it was strange. Um, but that looked really cool. And then uh, I never watched it again. And I know it came on TNT a lot. It used to come on T- all, TNT all the fucking time, but. I, I did never watch it again. And then I watching it for the show, I was like, okay, hopefully I understand or you know what I mean? Nope. <laughs> I, <laughs> same shit. It's just, it's visually stunning. Yeah. Um, the story, I, I mean, I just, it didn't work for me. Like I just didn't like, it was, it was very weird, but it looks pretty. That it does. It does. You know? it does. We can all agree yeah. with that. I think, um, <laughs> One thing listening to the commentary taught me is that Tarsem Singh totally understands that film is a medium of many things. Right. Mm -hmm. He has a very, very astute knowledge of film, and there's a lot of references that he's made in here to his favorite directors that is very interesting. Um, But when it comes to filmmaking, he understands that film is a medium of visuals. Mm -hmm. Right. But film also is a medium of narrative. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Equally it, important. Yes. Yeah. One, I think. Yeah. But I mean, there are a lot of filmmakers that are like 80 20, like the beef, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and some are even 90 10. Right. Yeah. Some are 50 50, but. A little leaner. Huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Quite this, lean. This yeah. was 93 7, <laughs> <Yeah>. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, this was, the, the, you're, I think you're the only one of us that had seen it before. Yeah. 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 This was a first time watch for me. I How think, was that? Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I, I want to say that I started it when I was a kid and then just tuned out completely. Okay. Because yeah. mom and dad had it on DVD. Yeah. I remember seeing it on the shelf. Yes. For forever. Yeah. And then just never. When no one was watching it. <laughs> <laughs> it was very dusty. I blew it off so they could write the script. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, the thing is, is that it is it is very, very, very nice to look at. Yeah. And I will admit it is not at all what I expected going in. No. At all. What I came up with after watching it is I feel like it's kind of, uh, it's if The Silence of the Lambs met The Matrix by way of Jacob's Ladder. All right. Is wow. that fair? That's pretty fair. All right. That's what I got watching it. And I will say all three of those films, 
fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Put in a blender. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, we're putting shit in blenders. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is the second and, week and, in a row. <laughs> and, and what if one's a little chunkier than the other? Yeah. You know what I mean? Those chunks are going to stick out more than it's the other. Well. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is a. Uh, Definitely heavy on one of those. Yeah, more than yeah, yeah. Ninety, ninety-three, seven. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and I, it's it's funny to me because I can't say that I I I didn't have fun. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff that you're watching it and you're just enthralled. Yeah. By what they're able to pull off and it being two thousand, you're like, this doesn't look hokey at all. Mm-mm. Yeah. It actually looks really good. No, it's it still does. And D'Onofrio brings it, of course. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. I was pretty sure that I was gonna love this. Because shit like this is really, as John Paul would say, right up my ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was, I'm very torn because like we've already established the visuals are incredible. Um, I think that a lot of pieces fell into place for me when I learned that Tarsem Singh did music videos before this. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that is definitely the vibe that I get. I watched a featurette and he said... <laughs> God. <laughs> Basically said, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a serial killer thing happening in the periphery, but I'm trying to take you on a visual journey. So it really feels <laughs> like, yeah, Silence of the Lambs. This is All what right. people, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what people want right now. I want to do this, but I'll pepper this in if this is gonna, you know, if this is what y'all want, I'll do it. Because really, the effort was very much put into one thing. Mm-hmm. As the story went on, I was like, oh that's gonna come into play later we're gonna hear about that later that's gonna be a story and no like there's so many things and i said this last week as well so many threads that start that don't end up anywhere right the ending is incredibly rushed for me i mean obviously we will unpack all of this as we go (laughs) there are parts that i was like what like this looks amazing but it's like a really trippy music video yeah you don't watch a music video like looking for the hero's arc and fucking yeah. like you just you're enjoying what you're seeing and what you're hearing so if you go to the table with that in mind you'll probably have a different experience but i was expecting like this psychological mind fuck with a lot of cool visuals that's what i thought i was getting and that is not necessarily what i got well i feel like they that this could have like this could have the story yeah. Could have been really good. But it's not fleshed out. It's, no, very, it's yeah. very, very thin. You have a really interesting idea, but there's not. And I did read that Mark Protasevich, the writer, uh-huh. was very unhappy with the final result, that this is not even what he wrote anymore. So I would really <laughs> be interested to see what story he did come up with, uh-huh. because th- we've got a very interesting core here. Yeah. But it doesn't pan out. Right. I did read an interview in the Los Angeles Times and Singh had said that basically he would, was looking, because this is his debut feature, uh-huh. and so he had been looking for a script that he could kind of take on in a way that he could have his visuals put on screen mm-hmm. as something interesting and enthralling for the audience. And he straight up said, story is secondary. I, I mean, I, I, I feel that. That's the thing. And he is, visually, this is awesome like yeah. i don't mean that as like awesome but like the the actual meaning of the word awesome it is <laughs> it inspires awe- <laughs> yeah <laughs> but if you're looking for any kind of like and i don't know why it keeps coming back to ground beef but meaty yeah <laughs> any kind of meaty meaty story we don't we don't do that here no. like you're not gonna get that here yeah oh, we're all just very hungry is I that think, yeah, we should have eaten before. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I mean, I get the visuals, but again, I don't want somebody to be like, oh, you're pretty, but don't talk. It's like, come <laughs> on, dude. I, I want to talk. I can yeah. assure no, 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 no. It's like, no, 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 no. Nobody has yeah, ever said so that, that to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it looks good, but... I the story needs to be good. What do you mean? How many times have we watched an indie movie and we're like, this is probably going to be dumb, and then the story's not bad. It's like that yeah. actually was, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, that held it together because if it didn't, and they and they didn't give it their all, or they didn't commit to the story, the movie would have fell apart. Mm-hmm. But when they do, and the story, even if it's like that was silly as shit, the story still semi made sense. Yeah, you don't even try to do most of that stuff here. It's it's all the drop stuff yeah we were also talking off mic about the casting too there's some interesting choices <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like a lot of a lot of people are attempting to take on roles that they're like breaking out of yeah what they used to yes. do yeah and i don't know that this is the vehicle <laughs> <laughs> but i will say dude um listening to that commentary sing seems like one cool motherfucker well good yeah he was talking about a lot of the changes that the studio asked him to make but he was like fuck you i'm not doing that and then a lot of changes that the studio asked of him, and he did, and he was like, all right, that's a better <laughs> idea. I respect the hell out of You, gotta, you yeah. have to respect yeah. that. Because a lot of people, I mean, we talk a lot about studio interference, but sometimes people coming in, they might have a good yeah, idea. Yeah, it's like, yeah. maybe you should reel this in. Just a yeah. Because <laughs> some of the stuff he talked about doing, I'm like, I'm glad that they... <laughs> <laughs> Now, before we reverse the feed on this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's take a dip. The film opens with a hazy figure traveling across a desert. When we get a closer look, we see that it's a black horse being ridden by someone cloaked in white. We get the title card as they continue passing giant sand dunes. The credits start as the horse finally comes to a stop. The person draped in white gets off and the horse looks over at them. She turns around and it's Catherine Dean played by Jennifer Lopez. So it's a period movie then. (laughs) I gotta be honest, this is not how I expected no. this. <laughs> when this nope. opened like this, I was like, what? Yeah. Did, did I, I put in the wrong? Skip, exactly. <laughs> did I skip some scenes? I will say I did learn on commentary that they filmed this entire sequence on location in, uh, I think, Namibia. Oh, wow. And uh, the majority of the other stuff is on sets and in like studios and stuff. Uh-huh. So he had said that he wanted to. I can't explain what's happening yet. But he wanted to show how expansive this world could be. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. If you understand, all right, and it all right. is, and that sand looks so smooth. Yeah. I just like want to touch it or roll in it or something. It looks very <laughs> nice. <laughs> You're like excellent uh, production notes. I would like to eat that sand. <laughs> <laughs> just to take a bite out of it would be quite nice. <laughs> it looked nice. It did. It's it so looked very clean. nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> You know, I come to the table with a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But she smiles back at the horse as she begins to walk up one of the giant dunes. In a wider shot, we see that the horse is now a statue as Catherine continues her journey. It it turned into a statue after she smiled at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, oh, she's Medusa. So <laughs> yeah. That's what this film's about. We figured about. out. Yeah, that's the twist. <laughs> what a way to park your pets, huh? What, turn them into Yeah, stuff? just uh, you stay here, boy. I'll be I, right back. I don't have a choice. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, you can talk now? What the yeah, hell? The- 
It's a side effect. Of yes. Being turned to stone. Of the stone. Right? Yeah, of the stone. <laughs> she travels far, her footsteps in the smooth sand behind her, and we get sweeping shots of. <laughs> I was really into the sand. <laughs> <laughs> the smooth, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a custard. <laughs> <laughs> like a frozen custard um i did want to talk about those shots because i was very impressed by the cinematography in this film yes mm-hmm. the end of the sentence was we get sweeping shots of just how vast and endless this desert is okay yes with the smooth, smooth <laughs> and tasty um <laughs> the director of photography was paul laufer and I was really interested to see what else he did. Right. He did not do very many other films at all. Huh. He's more into music videos. All right. Hmm. And so the last like 10, 15 years, he's done music videos for Beyonce. Okay. And I think Pink and Ariana Grande. How cool. Oh, all right. Yeah. Was it like uh, 90s R&B when they're all on the sand with their shirt open singing? <laughs> or <is> that... <laughs> I have not seen those videos. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like remember Revenge of the X? Yeah. That was right. like that, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was in a desert. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, Stan Smith. Oh yeah, yeah. He was singing in the desert. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think uh, Paul Laufler shot that. <laughs> yeah, great work. Yeah, great. Yeah. But the music swells until we see someone shining a small mirror into the sun. I did want to call out the music because I really like the score in this film as well. Yeah, um, it was done by Howard Shore, who we talked about recently because he scored Seven. Mm. Ah. I was like, I know, I know that name. He also scored The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, nice. All right. And so that's like the first of many of Singh seemingly working with people who inspired him on a lot of the stuff in this film. Okay. He kind of just, it seems he found the people who did what he already liked Mm -hmm. and was like, hey, why don't you work on this too? Yeah. And that again, that's the first of many. Yeah. Interesting. I'll get back to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the light reflects off of the mirror and Catherine follows it to find Edward Baines, played by Colton James, sitting alone in a clearing. He's sitting on like an, an overturned tree stump thing. Mm-hmm. Right. When she reaches him, she thanks him for the horse that she turned to. <laughs> <laughs> well, where is he? Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, we don't. Yeah. He wanted to hang out back yeah. there. How, how are you doing, kid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He asks if she liked the horse and she says that he was beautiful, but she thought they were going to go sailing today. Edward hesitates, looking uncomfortable, but Catherine reminds him that he promised. He gestures behind her and when she turns around, there's an old rotted ship that wasn't there before. She tells him that that one is too old. So she follows his gaze as he looks to the side and suddenly a toy sailboat is there. The giant shipwreck Mm -hmm. was really on location. That was real. Oh, Holy wow. shit. Yeah. I was, what luck, huh? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, kind of yeah. scary, actually. <laughs> she tells him that it'll work and starts to walk over to it. She holds her hand out for him to take it and follow her, calling him Mr. E. I thought that was going to play it more because mm-hmm. it sounds like mystery. Yes. It doesn't. Nah. Yeah. But he doesn't move. He tells her that it won't work because Maki Locke said so. She tells him that they agreed no more Mockylock, but it's not that easy for Edward. He says that Mockylock is the boogeyman and he wants him where he is. Now, you're saying this name, mm-hmm. Mockylock. Mm-hmm. They say it differently, the two actors. And I was like, you where's from your... each other? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where's your script supervisor, man? Because <laughs> one of them says Mokilok, one of them says Mockylock. 
and it's like directly different. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's but, like, I'm not saying it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, look, kid, this won't matter in five minutes. Yeah. Literally, okay. So I think now we can say we were talking before this. I feel like we all collectively thought that Maki Lock, Moki Lok, whatever the fuck was going <laughs> to yeah. be the big bad. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, this is it. Yeah. You say sabotage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even notice that but why yeah why wouldn't you fix that why wouldn't you like no 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 say it this way i have no idea and granted i watched this when i was very tired last night but i'm certain that they pronounced it two different yeah. ways that's hilarious and it was just confusing but it does feed into the fact that it's not going to be important at all yeah yeah which is just upsetting yeah but Catherine picks up the boat assuring him that they can fix it we hear strange sounds and Catherine looks annoyed she calls out his name, chastising him. And when we see Edward again, his face is contorted and he's growling at her. He looks like he's in Splice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she has a very muted reaction. She yeah. just looks frustrated as he scurries away and she drops the boat on the ground. He always does this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> again? I swear to God. Mr. E? <laughs> Catherine squeezes a small silver dot on the webbing between her index finger and thumb. Suddenly, we see her body suspended by wires, also gripping her hand in the same way. Her face is covered and she's suspended, wearing a skin-tight red suit that kind of looks like muscles. It... It... It looks like <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Lord Zed from Power Rangers. That, That's what it looks oh, like. Okay. Uh, it's a choice, and yes. I, I mean, it, I guess I can, I kind of understand the muscle thing, but it's it's very. <sighs> I was okay, so I did find out that the costume designer was Aiko Ishioka, who did the costumes for Coppola's Dracula. Okay, and Power Rangers. No. <laughs> <laughs> But there was a thing that was seen in the film that looked a lot like this. Okay. But then it also put me in the mind of Hellraiser where they're like, well, make them look skinned, but make sure they're still yeah. sexy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I just, I mean, it is exactly what JP said. It is a choice. Yeah. yeah. Because when you think about it, they really don't need it. No. no. And all of this really does feel like the Matrix. Like, yeah. The hand thing is the phone booth. Yeah. yeah. And the suspension is the thing with the jack and the yeah. back of your head. <laughs> <laughs> but two people watch through glass on the other side of the room one of them henry west played by dylan baker yeah. i was excited to see him switches on the light and uses the intercom to say sing a song of sixpence when she doesn't answer he repeats himself and she says weekly a pocket full of rye the other person, Dr. Miriam Kent, played by Marianne Jean-Baptiste, goes over to the door. But before she goes through it, she says, four and 20 blackbirds. Again, Catherine answers weekly, baked in a pie. This seems like procedure. Mm -hmm. We never see this again. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a way to make sure that she's not stuck in the world. Right. Yes. But then they're like, well, we do it once a week, I guess. So, yeah. So I'm yeah. like, okay, there's going to be a point where they're going to give her the call and she's not going to know it. Exactly. Or she's going to say something different. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. no. <laughs> this, is, this is it. Now, are they saying four and 20, like 24 birds? Or is I it guess. a very uneven pie? <laughs> It's a one pie gets four, one pie gets four. <laughs> it's a very meaty pie. Yes. We're back at the meat. I'm starving, dude. <laughs> Can I interest you in some smooth sand? <laughs> but having completed the back and forth, Miriam enters the room. Henry watches as she goes over, passing another person on a table next to Catherine, 
in the same setup. She takes the covering off of Catherine's face before removing the covering off of the other person, revealing them to be Edward. Henry assures Catherine that Mr. E is doing fine as he checks his brain activity on a monitor. Miriam asks if they went sailing, and Catherine says that they almost did, but Mockylock showed up. Again, it's it's presenting it. Yeah. That this Again. is the big bad. Yeah. Miriam recites what Edward said. Mockylock is the boogeyman. Mockylock wants me where I am. But Catherine's only contribution is that Mockylock is a pain in the ass. As Dr. Barry Cooperman, played by Jerry Becker, walks in the room with Henry, Catherine tells Miriam that Edward got Mockylock from Mother Goose. Barry reports that Edward's parents are here. We see the sign for the building outside, telling us that we're at the Campbell Center. Inside, Edward's mother, Ella Baines, played by Musetta Vander, strokes her son's hair as he lays in a bed, awake but catatonic. Catherine tells her that Edward loves when they come to visit, but Ella says that her husband, Lucian Baines, played by Patrick Beauchal, wonders if that's true. He sits on a couch away from them. She says that he wants to put Edward in a hospital. Barry, Henry, and Miriam are all in the room behind them, and they physically bristle at this. Catherine lets out a sigh of disbelief, and Ella apologizes to her. Henry appeals to Lucian. He says that he's been working on this project for seven years. Lucian is sympathetic and even tells Miriam that her work is invaluable and he doesn't want her to take offense. Catherine speaks up that that means he's unsure about her. <laughs> so I trust all of you. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> that is all. Yeah. <laughs> Lucian says that they've waited 18 months for a sign of progress. When Catherine says that there have been signs, he says that there's not been any proof of this. I understand. I don't know how things were when she first started dealing with Edward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I do know that little man turned into a monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and ran the fuck away. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe 18 months ago, he didn't have the capability yeah. to turn into a monster. <laughs> now he's scaring me. It's not. It's progress. It's a lot. It, it's negative. It's a, but it's progress. But it's progress. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine reminds Lucian that while she wishes she could take credit for the procedure, she's not the one that designed it. She's like, so this is not on me. <laughs> it's kind of messed up. Yeah. She says that she was picked to do this job. But if he thinks there's someone better or more devoted to Edward, Barry interrupts to assure Catherine that no one is doubting her ability. I think that somebody is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lucian simply says that there's no proof that the procedure even works. He says that she's only giving him belief that her interactions with Edward aren't hallucinations. The team exchanges looks. So real quick, I want to make a note. She just said that she has no idea how any of this works and she had nothing to do with <laughs> making or building this program or what's going on here. That is, yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll check in on that yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, put a pin in that. <laughs> We cut to a turtle making its way across a dry field as a truck speeds down the road. A dog hangs his head out of the window as they travel. They finally get to their destination, a small shed with two huge, I guess, silos behind it. Mm -hmm. A man gets out of the truck and goes inside. His face is either obstructed by his hair or by shadows as he heads in and stands outside the glass of a cell filled with water. He's rocking that No Country for Old Men cut. Yeah. Very much. It reminded me of when they had Michael C. Hall playing a teenage version of himself. <laughs> it kind of looked like that way to me. It's like, sir, you are 40 years old. Yeah. 
<laughs> in Dexter, I mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it wasn't a biopic. <laughs> Floating in the water is Anne-Marie Vixie, played by Catherine Sutherland. The man watches her, his hand pressed against the glass. Suddenly, though, she begins to spasm in the water and the man panics, rushing off. So that was a shock to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me, it was like, oh, it's clear that she's dead. Yeah. Mm. But then the spasms. And then again, I was like, is he doing his own experiments? That's what I thought, that he was keeping somehow she was alive in there. Right, right. And again, no. No. Mm -mm. (laughs) All we know is this is a bad place. Uh, Yes. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. But he sits in a chair behind monitors watching her inside the cell before turning the handle of a valve. Outside, we see a pipe shooting out the water being released from the cell. Back at the Campbell Center, Ella and Lucian are leaving. They say their goodbyes as Catherine watches them from upstairs. Ella gives her a smile, but Lucian looks at her disdainfully before they leave. He's like, I remember that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Miriam joins Catherine upstairs and says that she's lucky that Ella worships her. Catherine asks if this is because Lucian hates her, and Miriam says that she wouldn't say hate, but uses the words distrust, dislikes immensely, and can't stand the sight of. This was a little weird for me, because like, even if you're doing some experimental thing that's not really working out, why would you hate the person that spent 18 months trying to help your son? Yeah. I that, mean, that's... Like, did something happen? Like, the, <laughs> I, It was weird. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that either. That was a... like. Because isn't don't they say that he owns this company or he runs the company or I something? I think so. Something along those yeah. lines. Yeah. So, I mean. Why not? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you do everything that you. I don't. Though th- This whole thing, this whole like subplot with the. Yeah. Baneses or whatever. Yeah. Is weird to me. Well, do you have anything about the time extension? Yeah. Hold okay. on. <laughs> <laughs> but they sit together and Catherine asks the verdict. Miriam says that Barry had to push for it, but they've given them another six months. So this is where I busted out laughing. (laughs) Because he's literally like, I don't trust you. I hate you. You got two years. Yeah. (laughs) You got two full years. (laughs) Like, it's unbelievable. It's been 18 18 months. (laughs) It's confusing. I don't understand what... It's really confusing. No, and literally, I mean, I think you can... For the amount of time that the Baneses take up from this point forward, which is like none. None. Why are we making it so complicated? Why not just present Catherine as this person who is helping a family? Mm-hmm. It f- I feel like we're using all these plot devices. We have the the character that really wants to do good, but somebody's not really giving her a chance. We have a time crunch on the situation. Like we're using all these plot devices that just aren't necessary for where we're going. Yeah. And- because if you think Edward is like the most important thing in this, you're also wrong. <laughs> yes. <no. laughs> and I, I get that. But then why have a character there that dislikes our main character we're supposed to like? And undermine them. Yeah. So well, that we I can don't... root for them harder. But we were already rooting for them. We saw her first. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I and, don't know. I mean, can't this be given in a different way? Do we need to do this? Oh, no. Is it like... <laughs> and honestly, I think you could... <laughs> and this is even funnier to me because <laughs> for what she is tasked to do soon. Yeah. Why show her failing at it first? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> or make it all right, make it different. Oh, you know, we've given you 18 months. Yeah. You got six more months. I know you're fighting hard for this. I know this is something yeah. you're passionate about. Okay, so then the rest of the movie is like, oh, okay, that's, you know, whatever. No, none you're, of that happened. You're right, no. because even in the meeting, she's like, look, I didn't design the damn <laughs> yeah, thing. What the fuck are you If you want to blame anyone. Yeah, <laughs> blame these fucks over there. Whoa. It's like, jeez, like, yeah. you're right. Hey, oh. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I thought we were a team. Yeah. <laughs> but Catherine sits up, pleading with Miriam to reverse the feed. Miriam says that it's too risky, but Catherine says that they have nothing to lose. She says that when she did social work, the best thing for kids was taking them out of the environment that they were in. Foster homes are scary at first, but then kids see that things can be different. She says that that's where Edward is right now, living in a world that's not healthy. She wants to show him a different place. So I will say I this is the moment that I realized <laughs> that I cannot be pleased because <laughs> she said reverse the feed, right? Yeah. Now, in another film, if she had said that and then explained it to Miriam, I would have been pissed off. Yeah. But Miriam, of course, already knows what that means. Yeah. But the fact that I don't, <laughs> I was like, don't use terms that I. <laughs> so I just can't be pleased. Don't listen to anything I say. <laughs> like, either way, I'm pissed exactly. off. Exactly. <laughs> But that's why maybe we have this conversation in front of the parents and then you can explain to the parents what that. Yes. Be. Yeah. Because they do have a source of exposition later. Yeah. You can do that more than once. But, if you yeah. want. but when they have <laughs> when they have that, they are kind of just explaining shit that they already told us. That's yeah. true. <laughs> so yeah. <I> anyway. <laughs> Miriam says that if they reverse the feed and put Edward into her mind, he'll be in shock being taken into a whole new world. Catherine says that she does it all the time, but Miriam says that there's a difference. Catherine has consented and she is aware of what's going on. Edward is in a coma. She says that Catherine already looks exhausted and asks if she's been sleeping and Catherine says yes. When she asks if she's still having nightmares, Catherine says no, but Miriam does not look convinced. Well, she's clearly lying. Yeah. yeah. She's like, no, mm, no. Well, come on. <laughs> She tells her to leave work here and not take it with her in her mind. We cut to the man from before putting Anne-Marie Vixie into the bed of his truck and putting a cover on it. He gets in and drives down the road back the way he came. That night, Catherine smokes a joint trying to relax. So she's cool as fuck. Yeah, she is. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> she looks over at her bulletin board where she has pinned an article about seal hunting being on the rise. She looks past that at a clipping with Edward's photo on it. The article is titled Billionaire's Son Found in a Coma on Seal Beach. What is that? Yeah. Well, I don't understand the seal bit. Uh, I thought that that was going to come more into play because it's a whole article about seal hunting. Right. So maybe like a seal hunter hurt. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I Because uh, so far we've been yeah. given a boat and we've been given Seal Beach and the fact that Edward's parents are billionaires with a b but right. still he's like i'm pulling the plug on this <laughs> like i don't know i don't know and I, I appreciate the pot being in the movie uh-huh but if you're doing this stuff with your mind and you're working at this hospital oh. don't yeah. you think you would get drug tested don't you think you need to be clear mind and sober and ready for the next day maybe she's just wiping the slate man <laughs> like, today that's was not rough. how that works <laughs> <laughs> today was rough I, I hate to break it to you but <laughs> i actually never considered that yeah i mean 
But we got to show her on her own time in her underwear, smoking a joint. Do we need to? I mean, I guess. Well, let's see where they're going with this. (laughs) (laughs) But when she goes to the fridge to find something to eat, her cat comes up to her and she cuddles him. I was very excited to see the cat. We never see the cat again, I don't think. And this ended so abruptly that I thought we were like going back and forth. Mm Mm-hmm through her night uh-huh. but like the next time we see her she's going to bed <laughs> so I, was like, okay. yeah. I will say we saw the cat running across her car at the beginning yeah i was like oh great new favorite yeah, character. yeah. of course <laughs> new favorite character just dropped yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i will say what she says at the end of this scene in conjunction with the beginning of the next scene is a really really interesting transition go on she says oh you want some milk and then we cut to the next scene fair enough and i'm like oh wow all right that is good. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. We cut to Anne Marie Vixie's body being pulled out of a tub of white liquid. Looks like, like milk. milk. Yeah. yeah. She's placed on a table and sprayed clean with water. This is when we finally see the killer's face. He is Carl Starger, played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Starger? I barely know her. Yeah, we got it. Um, <laughs> I did want to say because the last we saw of this woman, she was moving. Yes. So I literally thought the next time we saw her, he was going to be talking to her. Yeah. No. Mm -mm. Very strange. Yeah. But we love Kingpin. Oh, Oh, of course. He does fantastic. He's great. He's great in this. Oh, yeah. Can't forget Private Pile. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Dude is just, I think one thing you can say about him is that no matter what is asked of him. He's given 100%. Yeah, he oh, yeah. It. And he takes a mean Skype call. Yeah, yes, as he, he does. <laughs> you need some info. <laughs> you know, I was laughing at that because he very easily could have just been reading the script. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but back in Catherine's house, she's laying in bed. She's holding a pillow with the palm reading design on it and watching a weird ass cartoon as she starts to doze off. That's why she's having fucking nightmares. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why are, are, you are you watching that watching? when you're going to bed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, three bad nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see that. The folds of her silky blanket suddenly transform. <laughs> into the smooth. <laughs> Nay, what was happening? <laughs> Why is this sand? Yeah. <laughs> Scrumptious. <laughs> into the smooth sand dunes as we travel over them. We go quickly, traveling overhead to the clearing where she had met with Edward. In the clearing, Catherine stands, her hair long and flowing, wearing a white ball gown and a shawl. We see that her point of view was that of a bird as it flies away. Again, with these gorgeous shots. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate these. I, I, I would love for more of a, I guess, side effect of these treatments yeah because this is really the only time that it kind of seems to be affecting her outside mm. of it yeah and she was watching that creepy ass cartoon that's so, true yeah. too. you know but we don't see that in here right. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine drops the shawl and walks over to where edward was sitting when they met she doesn't speak but we hear her voice ask edward if seagulls were being killed on the beach when he was sailing oh so i guess with the along with the hunting I don't know. I don't know if like the working theory here is like he got hurt on accident and was just like left. I don't I don't know. So I they really were don't seal know. hunting or his parents? I don't know. <laughs> That's never made. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't even elaborate. <laughs> I have no idea. She asks him not to hide and not to be afraid as she walks over to the hollowed out tree that he'd been sitting on. 
Peering inside, she can see the top of his head. But when she looks closer, Edward pops out, hissing, his face contorted again. Now, I did notice, now that we're talking about seals so much, Mm -hmm. he had, like, seal fins. Oh! All right. So I don't know, again, why, I would love to know why we're doing this. Yeah. Because he was more, like, animal than boy. (laughs) Than boy? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even mean that as a joke, he was. (laughs) (laughs) Then maybe, I don't know, maybe we see that before everything. I mean, I... I I we're being led somewhere because we've got seals, seagulls, water, right. boat. We're being taken somewhere, but we just never get there. If I'm not mistaken, though, at this point, I don't think we see Catherine again for like 15 minutes. No, it's a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit. So again, I would love to know what this means. Yeah. Right. And then they're like, oh, wait, I forgot. We're also doing Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. But Catherine wakes up in her bed startled, but tells herself to go back to sleep. Back at the killer's house, his dog, Valentine, is like, get me the fuck out of here. It barks as we see Starger suspended over Anne-Marie's body. The dog's name is Valentine, and Valentine is not about the shit at all. No, none of us are. Yeah. Starger is naked and is being hung with hooks by rings through the skin on his back. Remember when like um, Chris Angel was doing this shit? Yes. We yeah. were like, holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt he was doing anything. My no. <laughs> he, I mean, I remember I watched one special where he ripped a man's arm off and I was like, <laughs> this is too much even for me. That's why you always leave a note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but on the screens across the room, footage of Anne-Marie Vixie screaming to be let free as the cell fills up with water plays. Valentine is losing his mind as Starger writhes around, rattling the hooks until it seems like he Legos his ego. Oh, are we really yeah. saying that? Uh, what do you want me to say? Yeah. That's fine. That's Because uh, <laughs> I can do something yeah, else. I, uh, <laughs> I don't think ego will be pleased. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I, as it was continuing, I was like, oh, he better not be. And he is. He was. Yeah. No, he was. Yeah. He was. Oh, my, my question was, how did he get up there? Because I understand that you, I, I again, I, I've said this uh, recently. Scratching my back can be tough, right? <laughs> How is I he know hooking himself? That there's a hoist situation. I don't know if it's something that you can do by yourself. I don't know. It yeah, was like I don't know. somebody get Chris Angel on the line. <laughs> we need to phone an expert. <laughs> He's like, no, I had a full team. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say he has a very particular um, look to his victims. I'll say. Because yes. the next victim, we'll, we'll get to. It looks very similar. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when we see the woman on the television, I thought that maybe the woman that we saw earlier actually was still alive. Yeah. yeah. And this is a different victim. Yeah. Right. No. The way that it's edited and cut is kind of unclear. But it is what you said, that he is seemingly reliving. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's what's happening. Yes. But it is a little confusing. But Starger screams, and his scream is drowned out by a train passing by. Behind the train, we see that there has been some sort of incident on a freeway. A black SUV arrives on the scene and out comes Peter Novak, played by Vince Vaughn. I was like, what? what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Teddy Lee, played by James Gammon, and <clears throat> Special Agent Gordon Ramsay, <laughs> played by Jake Weber. I'm sorry. This was yeah. 2000. What the fuck? This was 2000. <laughs> you knew who Gordon Ramsay was. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> like, I don't know why they did that. It's so confusing. 
and I'm like in my head it's all these jokes like, yeah <laughs> they're like coming through the crime scene he's like where's the lamb sauce <laughs> <laughs> like it's, just, it's it, I'm distracted it's, it's distracting it's yeah. a distracting uh -oh. name but already on the scene is Agent Schrader himself, yes. Cole, played by Dean Norris. A treat. I will say this motherfucker looks the same. He does. Exactly the, the same. same. Yeah. When Schrader Brow popped up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the thing is that you, you look at the trajectory of people's careers. Right. And he, of course, no idea Breaking Bad no. is coming. But God damn, if he isn't just as good in this, oh, yeah. I wanted him to do more. Right, yeah. right. You see yeah. that a lot. They have a really, really strong supporting cast in this film. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Because there's like, I just Gordon. I'll say that. <laughs> that also, I was like, why? Yeah. Because Chef Ramsay was really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but on uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. He yeah. was great. Just four years later. Mm hmm. I'm like, you know, use these people. Right. Yeah. Or at least give their characters something to do. Well, I mean, when you get these that, people know that, that that can bring it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let them. And I will say flat out, I like Vince Vaughn as an actor. Yes. I do too. He does not belong in this role. Not at all. He's very miscast. It's a it's a very strange casting. I was it was it was very strange. I don't know if it's because I'm used to Vince Vaughn being Vince Vaughn kind of in everything. Right, right. Mm -hmm. But the, it, it was weird. It was strange. Didn't we talk before? Was this the year after the Psycho remake? Yeah, because I was like, maybe he was really trying to like do something different. I think he's a good actor. Yeah. I think yeah. he's just kind of typecast. So he's like, I'll be Norman Bates. I'll be fucking, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But Teddy Lee and Ramsey go over to Cole. Teddy making the introductions before asking who found her. Cole motions over to the surveyor who found the body this morning. He still looks shaken. Cole continues that the skid marks on the scene seem to match the ones from Reno, and it looks like the vehicle hit the guard railing and scraped some paint off. And the paint is already on its way to the lab. A crime scene photographer snaps the photos as Cole leads the men to where the body was dumped, which is immediately where Peter had gone instead of following the other guys. The other guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shout out. <laughs> they look over at the guard railing to the men working the scene below. Once they go down, they pull the covering off of a victim, and it is Anne-Marie Vixie. Her eyes are a pale blue, her hair and eyebrows white from bleach. Bugs crawl across her vacant face. They say that this makes victim seven. Cole asks if they all look like dolls, and Ramsey says yes. On commentary, they said not only is that actress really laying there, those bugs are real on her face. Mm -mm. Oh, mm -mm. it's like you are a trooper. Yeah, very much so. I saw, and again, I have not seen Twin Peaks. I'm ashamed. That's why no, my voice is good. I was gonna say, look. I was gonna mention wrapped in plastic. Yeah, but I didn't want to because I didn't want to put you on blast for having <laughs> <laughs> not watched for the show. Still yet. having not seen it. Yeah. No, this was like a nod. I clear yes okay absolutely I did also want to call out James Gammon who is Teddy Lee mm -hmm. Singh had said that he had seen James Gammon in a film when he was still living in India uh -huh. and he was like if I ever make a feature film because I love this guy's voice I want to cast him in it he was the first person cast in this I film. love oh, nice. that <laughs> I was like that's so cool yeah. that is so cool but they pull the covering down further to reveal something like a collar around her neck 
Ramsey says that this is part of the killer's methodology. He makes it for them, and that makes him feel like they belong to him. Forgotten behind them, Peter asks if the water next to the bridge they're standing under is always this low. Cole says that it is this time of year. Peter says that he wants the coroner's report ASAP as well as the preliminary forensics. He tells him that he doesn't want anyone dragging their ass on this. At a park, Julia Hickson, played by Tara Subkoff, greets her boyfriend with a kiss and the two sit down to have lunch together. Starger watches them from a car. As he watches her laughing and being affectionate with her boyfriend, he strokes a small blonde doll in his lap. He suddenly becomes overwhelmed and takes a bottle of aspirin out of his glove compartment. The aspirin did make me think of seven. Yes. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you had more, but that's that's cool. The sand was very smooth. (laughs) Teddy arrives at a diner, joining Peter and Ramsey in a booth. He hands off copies of the evidence reports to them, and Peter begins to leaf through it. Teddy reports that the semen is a match on the man that they've been hunting. There was water in the victim's lungs with high levels of chlorine and rust, and a dog hair was found. He asks if it could be from the canine unit, but Ramsey says that they didn't use one. Peter also chimes in that Anne-Marie Vixie did not have a dog. Teddy rushes off to get more intel on the dog hair. Well, it's clear the killer's the wolf, man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. I mean, obviously. We cut to the three of them in the autopsy room. Anne-Marie Vixie still lays on the table wearing a toe tag. Teddy examines the dog hair under a microscope and reports it to have hypomelanosis, a complete lack of melanin. They're looking for an albino dog. <laughs> I I did laugh at Peter, and it's kind of where I kind of started to feel like maybe Vince Vaughn wasn't right for the role. Yeah. He turns and he goes, he'd love an animal like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Like, it just did not. Oh, I guess because the, are I, you saying how he said it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with the content of what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Would it have worked better if we got rid of him and it was just Ramsey? May you know what? Maybe it might. And also May- change his name. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, I think that might have been better because they try to set up some weird like uh, dynamic between. Yeah. Them. yeah. It's and it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me either. Right. But Peter looks over Anne-Marie's bleached body and that's when he remarks that the killer would love an animal like that. Mm. Teddy says that an albino dog is a rare animal breed. Julia Hickson steps out of an elevator and into an underground parking garage. If we've learned anything on this show. (laughs) And I just said last month on Talk Mortem. Yeah. They're fucking scary, Mm. dude. Nope. But she is very aware of her surroundings, scanning the area. It appears to be just her and the cars, but she reaches into her purse and arms herself with pepper spray before moving toward her car, head on a swivel. I think that kind of makes this scene more effectively scary. Yes. Because it's not that she wasn't paying attention. I feel like it's such a cliche to have, you know, on her phone or looking in her bag or whatever. But this bitch is like, she's on it. Like, I was very glad to see that. I mean, not glad, you know, no, later, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciated that. But she gets in her car and immediately locks the door behind her. She backs out slowly, coming into contact with something and stopping. She looks in her rearview mirror to see a white dog lying on the ground behind her back wheels. At the very least, this dog is an accomplice. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, son of Sam, we've. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think get the cubs. Yes. Yeah. Get, get two. Four. 
She gets out and goes to inspect the dog, which is still writhing around and whining. She strokes his fur, telling him that he'll be okay, even though there doesn't seem to be any actual injury on the dog. This is when Starger comes up behind her, a hat pulled down to conceal his face. Without a word, he snatches her up and carries her out of view. We only see their legs as they both hit the ground. Julia fights him, but the dog watches as Starger subdues her. I, I, I know I've brought this up before, but it takes five minutes for chloroform to knock you out. <laughs> I mean, and not only that, she's seen the brick behind her tire before he grabbed her. You would have seen that when you were walking towards the dog. Yeah, but she, you can't just back out over the dog. <laughs> no, 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 no. But when well, she got scary out, here. Yeah. <laughs> but when she got, that block was big. You would have yeah. noticed that right there. Yeah. You would have. I... I but if if she did notice that then the, they don't have no, any yeah, no. so. the the fact that you said I've said this before is yeah. a little, it's a little concerning. <laughs> well, just so that you know, you've got a second to fight. Like yeah. you're yes. not yes. gonna get See, knocked out right you away. Took it negatively. Yeah, yeah. yeah I apologize. He's trying to help people. Yeah. <laughs> We cut to Peter in his office, wearing a tank top and brushing his teeth, spitting into a cup. Ramsey comes in and is disappointed with him. He says that he thought he was going to go home, sleep, and get cleaned up. Peter's like, I did. He's like, mm, I don't. Yeah. Okay. I I was upset that he left the cups there. Yeah, for, throw it away. For yeah. yeah. Anyone to clean well, up? Well, if or? it's his office, then he can he'll I, clean I up later. I it, don't want to look at that, though. No. <laughs> no, that's gross. And it looked like a break room. It didn't look yeah. like his office. Oh, oh that's even worse. <laughs> anyway, Ramsey says that there are people waiting on them. Peter rinses his mouth out, says that he's ready, snagging his shirt and jacket on the way out, and yeah, leaving the cups behind. But he's spitting into one of them as he's brushing his teeth, and then he drinks like to rinse his mouth out. And I thought he was, dr- I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it was another what purpose would that serve? I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's like he's he's quirky. He's, uh, no, no, he's gross. gross. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> disgusting. But in the next scene, Peter is presiding over a briefing. He hands off two huge stacks of papers, one containing information on German shepherd breeders and the other containing Ford dealers. He tells them to be thorough, but still be fast because the killer is escalating. He usually waits months between his kills, but this time was only six days. He takes this to mean that either the killer thinks they're stupid and can't catch him or what Peter personally believes he wants to be caught and stopped. He says that leaving dog hair on a victim is sloppy and he left Anne-Marie Vixie in three inches of water where they could obviously find her. As Peter speaks, another officer walks in and hands a paper to Ramsey. Peter eyes him as he says that the one thing he knows for certain is that if they can't stop him, he's not stopping himself. Ramsey hands the paper over to Peter. I don't believe you. <laughs> I it just... It- like you said earlier and i didn't really think about it but yeah this role for him like i don't like i hear I, you're saying the words yeah i don't i'm not buying your cop <laughs> maybe See, an attorney or like hey, a consultant or yeah. something and we'll learn later yeah but there was um a movie that we covered recently where somebody pretended to be a cop yeah. And they did a bang up job. Yeah. And it put me in the mind of that with Vince Vaughn's performance. Yeah. So I was like, are you secretly uh, an accomplice <laughs> or are you wearing a dog costume? <laughs> <laughs> Helping this motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It, it doesn't come off as believable. Yeah. 
And that sucks because, like, like you said, I like Vince Vaughn too. Yeah. It was just it, it did. I was sitting there and I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not. I I don't believe you. I just I think that these scenes feel like, okay, let's ju- let's just get this done. So we like it doesn't feel like. Like there's no gravity to them, if that makes okay. sense. Maybe like they're not they're like not say, catching up. Yeah, he's yeah. saying it's urgent. Like he's escalating, but it's like you know he's urgent. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like <laughs> I don't like the film doesn't make nah. me feel like there is a dangerous time crunch, and I think that's what I'm supposed to feel. Yeah, I don't know if that makes no, sense. No, that does make sense because uh, you know why we want to feel that intensity or that like this is fucking important instead it's like you're all beautiful babies we're gonna go out later whatever yeah but i mean i feel like we're looking for john doe we're looking for buffalo bill right i'm like we need to fuck this guy's out of control like i don't i don't know But you want to know the difference in that i think whenever they're doing the silence of the lambs they're like no these are the motivations of these characters we need to do this for this reason yeah this feels like well we're doing a crime procedural they would probably have a meeting. They then they'd probably go meet with the victim's family. I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's like a by, have like to. by yeah. numbers thing. Like we got to check stuff off the list. That yeah. is what it feels okay. like. Because that's not where the passion lies in this film. No. no. But in the next scene, Peter and Ramsey sit with Julia Hickson's mother, Mrs. Hickson, played by Lori Johnson, and Julia's fiance, played by Peter Sarsgaard, in an uncredited role. What? What is happening? I don't know. <laughs> I. <laughs> And I looked it up before we sat down to record. Peter Sarsgaard is, I believe, one year younger than Vince Vaughn. I think he could have done that role. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Damn. Switch it out. Well, don't put Vince don't, Vaughn. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's disrespectful. <laughs> but I mean, I think Peter Sarsgaard has the, uh, he, he's versatile. Yeah, yeah. he is. That is a really fair point. Yeah. Like you're wasting him. This is the only scene that he's in. Does he have what one line? Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's weird. He even said on commentary, he goes, "That he goes, that is a very talented actor." And I'm like, "Use him." <laughs> he's like, "We did nothing with yeah. him." <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell in this movie, but yeah. trust me. Mrs. Hickson gives Peter Julia's graduation photo. Her fiance says that they were looking for apartments, but Mrs. Hickson is quick to cut in that they weren't moving in together until after the wedding. Ramsey asks if she mentioned anything out of the ordinary, like meeting someone new or spotting someone watching her, but they say no. Ramsey's phone rings and he steps out of the room to answer it. Mrs. Hickson asks if they could have made a mistake, that maybe this isn't the man they're looking for and Julia is actually safe. Peter says that there are things that this man does that make him pretty positive that it is him. Mrs. Hickson says that she lost her husband to cancer last year, but Julia was always there for her. She begins to cry, and in the hallway, Ramsey subtly reacts to news on the phone. They leave the Hickson home, and Ramsey says that they found a dog breeder in Woodcrest. Three years ago, someone bought an albino German shepherd puppy from her. They checked with the DMV and the buyer has a 92 Ford pickup. He tells Peter to guess the color and he does. Aquamarine. So this there is a tie in, obviously, with all the water that's going on mm-hmm. with um, Starger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, again, I feel like when we're thinking about all the stuff that's going on with Catherine and Edward, mm-hmm. talking about seals, talking about, I'm like, there's some kind of water bridge. Yeah. Right. Bridge, I, huh? uh, yeah. yeah, very good. <laughs> I would have, thank you. I would have thought, because right now at this point, 
I was thinking, okay, so what's going on with Catherine? How does that tie into any of this? Yeah. yeah. I would have loved if there had been a small bit, even if it's just something on the news in Catherine's house mm-hmm. or maybe a newspaper clipping of the water tank killer or something yeah, yeah. to where we are already bridging these two disparate. Yeah. Because right now it is cut to something that makes no sense. It's two different stories. Yes. It will make sense. Right, right. But at the moment, it's like, how does any of this connect? Yeah. Yeah. And if you have those small threads, because I like to, if I'm going to critique something, I like to think of a way that they could fix it. Right, right. And I think that something that small could have been a tie. Yeah. But there's nothing. At least show us that this is all happening in the same place. Yeah, Yeah. You know? And have it. I mean, if this case is this big that the FBI is involved, it's made the paper. For sure. Yeah. Somebody has to have put a name. Yes, yeah. something. some nickname, yeah. yeah, something. But in the next scene, Ramsey and Peter are exiting a plane. They're met by Agent Stockwell, played by John Cawthorn. He tells them that SWAT has the suspect's house under surveillance for the last 20 minutes, and he identifies him as Carl Rudolph Starger. He says that he has no known weapons or priors, and he does have a license for the dog. His name is Valentine. <laughs> very cute. He's a big fan of trimmers. <laughs> they get in an suv and speed away escorted by police cars with blaring sirens in the car peter looks over the file they have on starger he lingers on a photo of him muttering that he's a bad man isn't he he's like all right (laughs) are you like (laughs) we've established that (laughs) all right we immediately cut to starger in the bath spraying a stream of water out of his mouth There's a bottle of aspirin on the floor next to the tub and he sings softly to himself. He starts to blow out another stream of water, but he suddenly begins to spasm. When he gets control of himself, he reaches for the bottle of aspirin, but it's empty. Outside, the cops surround the building across from Starger's home. There's a colorful hopscotch drawn outside, as well as a colorful mural on the side of the building. There's no reason for it. Yeah. I was just like, no. All right. It's just part of the scenery. Yeah. yeah. I, I was like, are they going to be at the wrong house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> Inside, Starger struggles to get to a cabinet, still in the grip of whatever episode he's in. Rings from the chain still hang from his back and the backs of his arms. Across the street, Stockwell introduces Peter and Ramsey to Agent Brock, played by Jack Conley. Brock briefs them and we see what he describes. There are snipers on the roof aimed towards Starger's house. There's a team on the ground, a team in a van, as well as another team crouched across from the house. Peter asks if anyone has actually seen Starger and Brock says no, but there has been some movement in the kitchen. Looking across the street at the house with binoculars, Peter advises him to proceed assuming that Julia is inside the house. The teams swarm Starger's house. They knock the door down with a battering ram and run inside. They begin to clear the rooms, still on the lookout for Julia or Starger. Upstairs, in a room with photos of dolls pasted to the wall, they find Valentine. I saw in the featurette, they were like scanning across, because it's like a like a vaulted wall with a bunch of stuff hung up on it. Mm-hmm. One of the things stuck up on the wall was a, a thing of Rob Zombie. <laughs> Really? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I didn't notice it in it. I don't know if it made it on there, but they were scanning across all of it and he was just right there. That's so <laughs> random. <laughs> but this is where they find Valentine. When they come back downstairs, everyone freezes. On the floor, face down, and still naked with the ring sticking out of his skin is Carl Starger. 
Starger is loaded into an ambulance on a stretcher to be taken to a hospital. Peter tells Stockwell to make sure he stays cuffed and that there are two men on him at all times and he doesn't want anyone treating him but their doctor. Ramsey comes outside to report that Julia is not in the house, but he tells Peter that he should come downstairs. There are a lot of influences that Singh talked about on commentary, mm-hmm. and we'll get into a few more a bit later, but he had said that for this scene of them storming, yeah. interestingly, was Scorsese. Hmm. Really? Yeah. He, and it's something that I guess I haven't noticed in Scorsese's work, but he says that Scorsese uses whip pans a lot. And there were a lot of whip pans in the sequence. <laughs> okay, yeah. But I'm like, all right, I guess, yeah. yeah. But it's he, I love his influences and the fact that he calls them out. Yeah, yeah. I do love says that. Says that this is from blank. I love this in blank. So I thought, why not? Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> but in Starger's basement, they find copious amounts of bleach. There are dolls staged in bizarre ways. Some of them are painted white and some have their heads removed with birds' heads put in their place. And we'll learn. Mm-hmm. We will. You're we shaking will. your head. Yeah, we will. We will. We will. <laughs> Peter notices the chains hanging from the ceiling and the company named Carver on the hoist beneath them. Ramsey presses play on the setup of TVs and it shows a woman on the screen. She is in the cell as it's being filled with water. She calls out to her mother to take care of her baby. In the cell now, Julia is trapped and calling for help. She's copied on the screens in front of her as cameras record. She sits on the bed and sobs. I do think it's interesting you have the juxtaposition of um, what the previous victim went through. Yeah. And then the empty Joe Goldberg style tank (laughs) that she's in currently. We know what's coming. Exactly. So when we're talking about urgency, that's adding to it. Oh, yeah. I will give you that. So, you know. Yeah. But later, they visit Dr. Reed, played by Pruitt Taylor Vince. (laughs) I I was so excited. Again, who paid for the fucking movie? (laughs) It's Malcolm Rivers. I, again, the supporting cast is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And And he's got one scene. Yeah. Don't see him again. He looks over scans of Starger's brain and asks if they've ever heard of Waylon's infraction, a form of schizophrenia. I did look up Waylon's infraction because I'd never heard of it before, and... The only thing that would come up is this. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if this is real or not. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. But according to Dr. Reed, it is very rare and severe. Oh. He shows the parts of the brain affected. Teddy asks if they can give Starger medication, but Dr. Reed says that normal psychotropics don't work with Waylands. It's caused by a virus that attacks neurologically while still in utero. Peter looks through a glass window at Starger, laying motionless in the next room. Reed continues that the virus is dormant until it's triggered by trauma. He says that he's probably been showing symptoms, but the infraction didn't happen until today. He says that the triggers are usually water-related. So it's it's exactly what his methodology is? I, get, I feel like he's throwing a lot at us right now Okay. because stuff that we see later, I don't know if we're supposed to expect or supposed to like assume that that was the trigger for it. But he just said that it happened recently. I don't know. Well, but if it happened recently, then that undermines then that wouldn't have been what we learn later. Exactly. So I don't know. I, re- I, I really don't know. 
Okay, they're like, get to the dreams. Get yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> fucking hurry up. Talk faster. What? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? What the fuck? I, I don't know. I the when the thing is when you're watching the movie, yeah. it all just goes and flows and you're just watching it. But whenever we have to sit down and we have to pick it apart piece by piece, you realize that some stuff really does like contradict or undermine a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk later about something that seems like they're setting up imagery for an idea that would make a lot of sense, especially stereotypically with what people say with serial killers, especially in movies. Yeah. And then they are like, no, never mind. We're not going to. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff. I don't know. They there's, just a, had, there's a lot of spin and plate. Yeah. They threw a lot of stuff at the wall. Uh, some of it stuck. Yeah. Some, some did. Some didn't. But Reed puts it plainly. Starger is not just catatonic. He's gone. It's like he's having a dream and never waking up. Ramsey asks how long he'll be like this. And Reed is like, oh, forever. It's like, what? <laughs> Jesus, dude. Peter tells Reed that it doesn't matter what state Starger is in. Julia Hickson is still missing. And Starger is the only one that can tell anyone where she is. He says that he keeps his victims in the cell for about 40 hours. Julia was taken at 730 last night. Reed says that Peter knows him and if there were anything and then he trails off and Peter's like, what? This, okay. I understand he, he's in the neurological field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you're telling me, because what we're about to see next, mm -hmm. that the FBI is unaware of yes. this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this but random this doctor. Yeah. <laughs> He knows. Yes. Yeah. He's, he like, has a business card or whatever. Yeah. Like that's that's hard to believe. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> You're trying. We're yeah. trying very hard. <laughs> we cut to a very dramatic scene of a helicopter landing. Starger, still cuffed to his bed, is wheeled into the Campbell Center. Do y'all remember that place? Indeed. It's been a while since we've been here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it has. Peter stands in front of Catherine, Miriam, Henry, and Barry, explaining the situation as footage plays on screens. So I thought this place looked familiar. Really? Looking at it from when we were out, you know, coming into it. And I was like, we've been here before. Insidious 3. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. I was crazy. like, I, I, like, I seen it. And uh -huh. I was like, I know, where the fuck do I know this from? And I kept thinking and thinking, and I was like, now this is going to kill me as I was watching the movie. Yeah. So I looked it up, and this is it. This was used in Insidious 3. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. They said, I did hear on commentary, they said the exteriors are a real neurological hospital. Yeah. And then the interiors are all a set. Right. But I get, I mean, you do hear there, how many times the hospital from Halloween 2 been reused? Yeah, yeah a lot. So, yeah. That's interesting. It was Insidious 3, and then I can't remember the other movie, but I know they said that after that, they ended up turning it into a, a retirement center. Oh. And oh. then, yeah, and then uh, it's closed down now. But it was for a while. That's, I was like, that's, that's cool. really cool. Because yeah. <laughs> that place looks badass from outside. Oh, it yeah, does. it does. And you get to see them walk in the courtyard a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking cool. It's yeah. nice. But Peter says that Starger provides them with drinking water, food, and a toilet. So he assumes that Julia just thinks she's been kidnapped and still has a chance of survival. On the contrary, though, this is just a cleansing ritual for Starger. It's torture before he takes them home and turns them into a doll. We can hear sputtering on the footage. Peter says that everything is automated. And unless Julia is found by tonight, what is happening on the screens is what will happen to her. 
We see a woman struggling to keep her head above the surface of the cell as it fills with water. So does all this happen in one what, day? One, I guess so. Yeah. The whole rest of the movie just happens. I, yeah. it's <laughs> They've already set up the time element. Oh, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. I thought this was over the course of like a week. Yeah. <laughs> At least some days or yeah. something. I thought two days. Because they keep. I, I mean, he did say. 40 hours. 40 hours. He and did. she got taken last night. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say, though, I mean, I understand that you have all this footage and everything. I don't think you need to show them a woman drowning. Yeah. To he's drive to, the point home. He's trying to guilt them. Yeah, but you can use your words. <laughs> yeah. like, that's fucking, that's a lot to show someone. Yeah. It's fucked up. But at the insistence of Barry, Peter has already contacted the board of directors. Barry chimes in that they have given their approval. Edward's parents have approved as well, but Ramsey makes it clear that the decision is theirs to make. So Edward's parents are like, <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> fucking know. I don't know. I okay. First of all, I I just want to point out, I understand what they're asking of them. Yeah, but this to me does not seem like a job that you can multitask at with different patients at the same time. No, they're let's let's figure out Edward. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let's help this kid first. They, I understand we have a time crunch, but how the hell are you going to switch gears like that? Especially when you're in the process of trying to figure out what to do right with right. Edward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got six months. We haven't even figured yeah, that out. I was going to say, weren't you just mad and you were taking her off of this? I, now you're just going to, yeah, go ahead. Also, she's... She works with children. Yeah. That's why she's working with Edward. Right. And we learn later that other people have done this and just didn't have the same approach as her. So it's not like she's the only one that can do it. I don't know why she's being assigned to this. That's true. <laughs> I guess this is my question. It's because the movie stars Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> so we need her to do all of it. You're right. Barry asks for Henry's input and he agrees to go along with it. Barry asks Miriam, but she says it's Catherine's decision because ultimately she's the one putting herself at risk, but she gives her support to whatever Catherine wants to do. Catherine asks Peter if Starger wasn't like this and he was conscious, does he think he would tell him where Julia is? Peter says that there's always a chance for a confession and that Starger has done things that point to a need for disclosure. He's never had a sympathetic ear and he wants that. He wants to be listened to and understood. Catherine says that she feels for the situation, but there's a chance that Starger might not even know the truth anymore. She says that for some severe schizophrenics, it's impossible to distinguish fantasy from reality. Peter asks if it's possible for her to do it. Catherine says that it is if Starger trusts her, but it'll take months to get to that level of trust. But Peter's like, but it is possible. Yeah, but it'll take months. Yeah. yeah. It took 18 to have him <laughs> turn into a monster. <laughs> <laughs> and his and me run away. Yeah. <laughs> but you're expecting in 20 hours or yeah. whatever? I 40? think I oh, might. Yeah, uh, I was going to say. Maybe I'm not very good at this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Catherine doesn't reply. On the tape, though, the woman inside the cell sobs, asking for her daddy to come and save her. We cut to Starger being wheeled on his gurney, still catatonic, through the facility. Employees stare at them, unnerved. Peter and Ramsey watch through the glass as Miriam and Henry inspect Starger's body. Inside the room, Starger lies on his stomach and Miriam pulls his sheet down, revealing the scars from the rings in his back. She asks what happened. 
Peter and Ramsey have now joined them in the room while Catherine prepares to suit up behind a clear partition. Like, yeah, you can see right there. I, yeah, I don't know. What that doing. was my note. You know, we can see you, right? <laughs> they're like, like Jennifer the Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see where they're going. Right? <laughs> She's a 10. But when her husband tips you, she takes the tip. Yeah, uh. <laughs> what is she? <laughs> Ramsey explains that they removed 14 steel rings from Starger's back. Catherine peeks out and says that they should have left them. She correctly guesses that he was suspending himself and says that it's comforting to feel weightless like floating in water. I, okay, I understand what she's saying. Mm -hmm. But that's a big leap to make when you don't know really much about the case at all. Yeah. She's like, she's making it like it's a common thing. Oh, every serial killer I've investigated has hooks in their back. (laughs) (laughs) Rings or whatever, you know? If we can, again... This is not her area of expertise. No. So I don't... It it just seemed like a weird line. She probably had the script laying there, (laughs) so she was just reading. It was behind the partition. Yeah. She's like, I'll do this one. Yeah. (laughs) In the next scene, they're in the room where the magic happens. Miriam is prepping Catherine and Starger while Henry sits in front of the controls with Peter and Ramsey. He explains that there's a neurological system that maps the mind and sends a signal to the other party. Then you tune in. He says that it's more than that, though. You become a part of the show. Miriam drapes the covering over Starger's face, and suddenly we can see his brain activity on the computer. She says that he's ready. She starts to get Catherine ready, and Ramsey asks why there are three stations when only two people are joined together. Henry says that they tried to do it with three people, two trying to help Edward, but Edward hated it. He only wanted to talk to Catherine. He says that Catherine has a gift. Miriam slides equipment into spaces in Catherine's suit, and we can see her brain activity as well. Miriam asks if she's sure she wants to do this, and Catherine assures her that she is. Miriam puts the covering over her face, and Catherine squeezes the space on her hand. Henry explains that they implanted a microchip that responds to touch in her hand so that she can stop the session if things get too intense. <laughs> I feel like we put that together earlier mm-hmm. when she did it. Yeah, when we... they showed us. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, show don't tell, but you know what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only it's the it's only the rule of screenwriting. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. The tables are lowered, and Catherine and Starger's bodies float suspended next to each other. Miriam joins them as Henry says when they started practical testing for this, they brought in some of the best child therapists in the country. Miriam says that all they did was observe and report, though they didn't do anything else. Henry says that Catherine had the least experience, but they gave her a chance because she was so highly recommended. They knew immediately that she was different. I will say I understand as far as, I guess, the child psychology expertise, Mm -hmm. because it explains a lot of what she does when she's inside the dreams. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't count on that being what you find when you're in there. Yeah. No. Especially for this dude. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to wait till later, but it's like, bitch, you got lucky. (laughs) (laughs) But the lights go off in the next room and suspenseful music plays. We see Starger's eye open and lit up with electricity before we go inside. Through a series of wires that crackle with electricity, we go into Starger's brain, following the threads inside and seeing that it's littered with images of dolls. So they said on commentary, the threads that you described, Mm -hmm. that was a disagreement between Sing and the studio, because what was supposed to happen is that's supposed to be the underside of the facial covering. 
that they're traveling through. Oh, okay. But the studio's like, no, we don't want that to look like that. We want it to look a little more high tech. And that's why it looks like a thing with like a computer chip in it. Yeah. But that's not what Sing wanted. And so they already animated what that was supposed to look like. But because it's so up for interpretation, it could be his brain. I thought it was his yeah, brain. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. That's interesting. So they kind of got lucky. Mm, but yeah, yeah you, I now that you said that, I could see it working either way. Yeah. That's, that is interesting. We see a doll suspended from her back and floating before coming up through water and seeing an aerial view of a baptism. A young boy is being baptized in a lake. A group of men stand in the water around him and pray and chant. We go underneath the water upside down and follow a pair of legs and feet also upside down until we are no longer in the water. We come across a dingy, rusty, wet area. A woman lies with a covering over her face as water drips down on her. No pun intended, but this is fluid as fuck. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's honestly beautiful. Yeah. The way that it's shot. Yeah. I think they connect it and cut it. It's like a little sneaky cut because when you see the legs, the shot starts there from another filming yeah all right and so from there the tilt all the way to finding Catherine in there is one long shot that's it looks cool it, yeah. it really does but i'll say starting at this point sophie bobby everyone who voted for this on patreon i was like are y'all like mad at me or something? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this was hard well there's a lot of descriptions yeah i will say that this is when it started to makes sense to me why people love this film yes yeah yes because before yeah. it, it felt very strangely disjointed mm -hmm. and then here it's like i get right. it yeah. yeah i get it but we see that blood is falling with the water droplets and suddenly the blood hits a leaf causing a ladybug to fly off the blood hits the cloth over the woman's face and as a thin dog leaves the area the woman pulls off the cloth and we see that it's Catherine. So they had said on commentary that cloth is supposed to almost look like the Shroud of Turin. There's a lot of like religious yeah. imagery mm -hmm. in this that I. Uh, well, this for him, <laughs> I think he said was a reference to a Ken Russell film. So maybe not as religiously leaning as it is perceived. Right. Because there is something later that is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But again, he says it wasn't meant to be that. I'll We'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> But yeah. it it's 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 there. Yeah. It is there. Oh yeah. And if I see it, it's there. <laughs> like <laughs> She looks down at the blood on the cloth as a grasshopper jumps away in slow motion. She hears a voice say, "You're not human. You don't lie in my house. You're an animal." She turns her head toward the voice and it's coming from a miniature house. Blood falls on the sheets hung up outside of the house. Catherine walks around and looks into the room where the dog went. Inside, there's a bathtub full of blood. The dog stands next to it, shaking himself dry as blood flies off of his fur in slow motion. Catherine walks away. Um, I, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I look. It looks amazing. I mean, it I, does. But why is the dog taking a bath in Kool Aid? Like, what is? <laughs> I don't. It's gonna stain his fur. It will. Well, he's he's it's not good. The for the fur dog. is no, black. No. You can't. It doesn't show. Yeah, it'll be right. fine. Yeah, be it, okay. Now, if he was the other dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Then All you're right. fine. We yeah. have a pink dog forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Catherine sees the little boy running up a giant flight of stone steps. She tries to get his attention, but once he looks back at her, he takes off running again. 
In another room, she finds the boy, young Carl, played by Jake Thomas, tending to a horse. The stair bit is a composite of a ton of different assets I learned on this featurette. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kevin Todd Hogg was the visual effects supervisor. Mm -hmm. He actually worked on Fight Club the year prior. Hell yeah. Which is, I think, the third week in a row we brought up Fight (laughs) Club. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll have some more stuff from him later. But it's very interesting because, again, for it being 2000, I understand this film was like, I think the budget was like 30 or $40 million. Mm -hmm. This is where it went. Oh, hell oh yeah. yeah. Because all of this looks great. Oh, yeah. That's the thing is I have a lot of bones to pick with this movie. But then this shit happens and I'm like, huh? damn it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at this point, I'm like, so every little boy has a horse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say. They all got horses in their brain? When you see the horse at first, it looks like dunes, the way that it's shot. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, why is there so much overlap between him and Edward? Edward? And, yeah. yeah. And we never understand. No. But she goes over to him, peeking from behind the horse and trying to playfully get his attention. He flees to the wall, shrinking away from her. Catherine pets the horse sweetly and asks the little boy if his name is Carl. She says that she knows a little boy named Edward and he has a horse too. Hmm. She peeks beneath the horse at him again, but Carl looks terrified. He looks up at a giant clock on the wall and the time begins to tick by quickly. The hand reaches the other side where the notches are red instead of black. Catherine looks concerned and asks him what's wrong. But as the hand of the clock reaches the red area, Carl pushes her toward the door. She backs up and he scrambles back toward another door on the other side of the room. Suddenly, glass plates fall down from the ceiling. They fall right on top of the horse. The glass panes are pulled apart and we see that each piece has neatly sliced the horse and the pieces of the horse stick to the glass. I, for some reason, the <laughs> the boy knowing made me laugh. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Every day at six o'clock, we <laughs> section a horse. <laughs> Why though? I, great yeah. question. Yeah. Why not? I do not know. Carl cowers next to the door, but Catherine gets up. She inspects the panes of glass and sees that the organs of the horse are still working. Yes. Carl runs away and Catherine squeezes between two of the panes to go after him. So this is obviously visual effects computer. Yeah. yeah. The horse is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Everyone to know. But they did say that I guess there was a veterinary clinic in Paris that lent them um glass panes of a sectioned horse that they used as a reference for the digital imaging huh and they had said i guess that sing wanted certain organs to be shown whenever she crossed through yeah Mm -hmm. because in reality there were only two panes of glass in the room and those were the ones that she walked through yeah that's cool everything else was digital oh wow that's really cool so I like the combination. Yeah. yeah. We talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when it's most effective, I think. Yes. Instead of just being 100% digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're acting against the tennis ball, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she catches up with Carl in a very Silent Hill looking stairwell. But he's gone before she can see where he went. There are multiple doors with cloudy glass covering them. But Catherine can see enough to realize that behind those doors are Starker's victims. She goes over to one of the windows where someone is standing silhouetted against the glass. She turns a lever that slides the window and a piece holding the person's head to the glass is released and the person walks free. 
Catherine accidentally hits a gear that turns on a light in the rest of the windows slide open. I do want to credit his victims because it's very difficult to discern who is who and they all have the same credit. Oh. They're Jennifer Day, Alana Vicente, Asia Eccles, Vanessa Branch, Elena Madolo, and Kim Shazevsky Nichols. Very good. All right. In the first room, a woman is tied by her wrists and moves and moans seductively. In the next, a woman is tied to a dentist chair, her teeth golden. In the next room, a woman is tied up and struggling against her restraints, wearing an anime-style mask. The gears continue to turn, revealing a woman with a carriage strapped behind her, wearing heels and running in place, made up to look like a broken doll. All these levers and reveals kind of reminded me of House on Haunted Hill in 1999. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, I think we brought up last week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we did. Keep doing this. Um, there are a lot of other influences. I want to kind of sum them, sum them up at the end of the dream because it's very interesting and it leads into um, him, Singh, and his choices for production designer. All okay. right. This, it could be a me thing. I'm the type of person that we talked about it on Insidious when he's wandering through. I want to know all these backstories of these, you know, ghosts and spirits or whatever. I would love to know anything about any of these women. They all have the same credit. They're all in these weird tableaus. I would love to know anything about any of them. Right. I'm like, are these all like boxes that he's put women in in his mind? Are these like archetypes or tropes are these the actual victim like i i have no idea are in even are these the because he has one method of murder it seems right yeah. but the like dentist situation yeah it's very it's very confusing mm-hmm. because that's not what he's done ever right no. so i'm like where is all of this coming from this movie i would say it's pretty long it's like an hour 47 yeah, something yeah. and the time that you spent doing the stuff that you obviously really didn't want to be doing <laughs> yeah i feel like we could have learned a little bit more like little flashback and you know anything i don't know maybe it's just me no i think that goes back to what you said earlier t about having maybe something on the news or having his yeah so if we got a little a little peek at his name or what they're calling him maybe it's like okay this is what it is or this is oh he's you know doing these weird torture things or whatever so we know that's his thing yeah or like i i don't know we but i get what you're saying because i feel the same i felt the same way i'm like okay what what does this mean does this mean anything i don't know uh, yeah even and- even if we could get a few seconds of like what they were doing when he took them and then okay. we see them how he has them set up because we are in his mind like yeah. we can see he was there we can see all that so i i don't know they, i don't know they fit the world he's created in his mind yes right. but how and do they fit into the real world aesthetically yeah. it all looks very cool i love the the setup i i mean Again, visually, you cannot knock anything in this. Not at all. I just wish, again, and we talked about it, I think, pretty extensively when we did the Love Witch, style over substance, and this is a, like, an offender for me. (laughs) This movie is. But the first woman that started the chain of events when she was freed steps out of her room and walks behind Catherine. She's a bodybuilder, incredibly strong-looking, and wearing nothing but a pair of underwear. Catherine is oblivious to her. Instead, she sees a naked woman painted white sitting next to fake animals in a tableau made up to look like the woods. When Catherine looks at her, the woman opens her eyes and holds her bound wrists out to her. 
Catherine reaches toward her, but the strong woman is coming up fast. She grabs Catherine's arm and pulls her away, slamming her into a wall. So what we see this woman do, Mm -hmm. she does not fit in with what the other women are doing. Not at all. Um, that's why I had said earlier about them seemingly touching on a stereotypical thing used for serial killers in media. Yeah, yeah. Usually, the if you have two routes. Mm-hmm. It's a overbearing mother mm-hmm. or an abusive father. Mm-hmm. These are typically the two. Look at any. It's very tropey. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I was thinking, if you have it, basically on a metaphorical level, you have a very strong woman. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're leading, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And that's not. Not at all. At nope. all. Not so at I'm, all. I'm very confused as to why. Now, um, I did think it was interesting because I read up on the actress who played her. She was Miss Olympia four years in a row. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she like, was what fucking, a fucking badass. Yeah, hell yeah. It's like, I don't need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I was just very confused. Her inclusion is interesting, but the, again, style over substance. Right. Well, yeah. And then in a second, I even had a problem with that. Okay. But hold on. All right. Catherine is knocked unconscious and the strong woman carries her away past another woman made up to look like a spinning ballerina in a music box. She spins beneath mirrors with her eyes closed and her hands bound behind her back. The strong woman carries Catherine to a man that sits on a throne and dumps her at the bottom of the steps beneath him. Then she just leaves. So I'm like, okay, even this woman who's been set aside from all the other victims is still subservient and bringing Catherine to you. I don't, it was all, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's a boss room. You got to get there. Eventually. Oh yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? It, yeah, for sure. So, you know, it's like, Oh, what's happening? Yeah. You there know? was, there was a save point. Outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I get it. And, and it is because I thought that too. I was like, okay, she's going to mean something Exa- more. Yes. No, we never see her again. No. Yeah. We never see her again, but the area is draped in purple fabric. The man has his hand held out, but lowers it when the strong woman leaves. He stands and begins to descend the stairs. We see that the purple tapestry is connected to rings in the man's back, and it's pulled from the walls and ceiling to follow him as he walks down the stairs. The cloth that is coming out of his back, Mm -hmm. that's real cloth, but the cloth on the walls is CG. Yeah. And so it's a connection of these. Again, a blend. Yeah. 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 And he he has like a chess piece that's like um, sculpted. Right. Mm-hmm. It was made by Michelle Burke in conjunction with K and B. Oh shit! <laughs> and she was nominated for an Oscar for makeup for this film. Hell oh, yeah! Nice. I mean, again. Yeah. Where it shines, it fucking shines. Yeah. yeah. He approaches Catherine and she grabs onto the chip in her hand, but does the present. She's like, "I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm ready. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out." <laughs> <laughs> but we can see the man's face and it's starker his hair different his face pale and made up with something in the center of his head on commentary they said it was supposed to make you think of a bird oh okay i saw an upside down cross oh so more okay but either way he asks her in a distorted voice where do you come from Catherine screams and immediately squeezes the chip in her hand. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking blame her. No. <laughs> when you said that, I thought you were going to say, he says, don't talk to the boy. Talk to me. It's talk like, oh, to yeah. me. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> oh, my God. That would have been cool, too. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess this is yeah. fine. I guess. Yeah, right. We'll allow it, yeah. I guess. 
We cut to Peter smoking and looking at evidence photos. He receives a phone call telling him that Catherine is back. He puts out a cigarette in the overflowing ashtray and leaves. As he goes, we see that Ramsey has fallen asleep with his head on the desk. In the room, Catherine is sitting on the table, struggling to catch her breath and calm herself as Miriam tries to help. So I did want to talk about some of the imagery from the dream. It reminded me of, because we've had off-mic conversations about The Lighthouse, the film. Right. Yeah. To where a lot of the visuals line up with a lot of real artwork. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I had read on Horror Digest that the horse sections were inspired by the work of an artist called Damien Hurst. And he had sections of animals that were um, preserved in formaldehyde. And if you look on those photographs, it looks exactly like what we saw in the film. Mm -hmm. Oh. It's very interesting. Uh, There's another painting that's coming up later that is recreated, um, but we'll get to that in a bit. But the other thing that was very interesting to me is there were clear references or inspirations of music videos. Yeah. Yeah. I. <laughs> and there's one in particular coming up that I was like, it's a lot. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I wanted to call out a couple which were very clear. One of them was Floria Sigismund's music video for The Beautiful People. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And the other one was Mark Romanek's video for Nine Inch Nails Closer. I mean. Yes. Once and again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we keep coming back to the same I shit. <laughs> but very interestingly, the production designer on Closer was a guy called Tom Fodor. He's the production designer on this film. All right. Oh, all well, right. then it makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that leads me again, all these things that he's referencing or influenced by, he's just getting the people that did it. Yeah. yeah. That that's is, really cool. That's yeah. really cool. All right. But on the other side of the glass, Henry tells Peter that Catherine had a journey unlike anything they've ever seen before. When Peter asks, Henry confirms that she made contact and went deep into Starker's world. Maybe a little too deep, and that can be dangerous. Peter is confused, but Henry explains that if Catherine were to actually believe that anything in Starker's world was real, her mind would convince her body to react as if what was being done to her was actually being done. Like the old wives tale that if you die in your dreams, you die in real life. Or like that movie Stay Alive, where if you die in the game, you die in real life. <laughs> I want to cover Stay Alive so bad. I think Stay Alive was on this poll. It was, it lost. <laughs> I got snubbed. <laughs> I guess for the time, it's probably Nightmare on Elm Street for them. Yeah. <laughs> but we should cover Stay Alive. We should. <laughs> but Catherine complains of being cold, and Miriam asks Henry to turn the heat on in there. Peter tries to get her attention, even asking if he can come in the room and talk to them, but Henry tells him that he has to be patient. He points out how tired this has made Catherine and insists that he let her wake up, but Peter says that they don't have a lot of time. We cut to Julia sitting quietly in the cell. Suddenly, water turns on and begins to shower over her. She crawls under the bed and sobs. After a moment, the water stops and Julia begins to pray. I think Singh kind of had it out for this actress (laughs) the way that he had talked about it on commentary. Mm -hmm. I guess his story, again, when you only hear one side of a story. Yeah. But he had said that whenever she auditioned, She told them that she could swim very well. She said she was a lifeguard at the time, 
But we're going to get into a lot of water situations, of course, because that's dude's MO. Yeah. And he said that whenever she would go underwater, she wouldn't do it without holding her nose. And it was pissing him off. And so he was getting very annoyed. Yeah. And he said, so he goes, it's my own things getting in the way of my filmmaking. He goes, because I shot her very coldly throughout the rest of the film. Wow. Because you're mad at her? I guess so. She can't breathe underwater? I'm sorry. (laughs) She's not amphibious. I'm sorry. My God. But he had said, because you see and you notice, and he would point it out himself, that there are very few close-ups of her. Yeah. A lot of them are shot from very far away. Or they'll do a close-up and then they'll back the fuck up. Right, right. And he said that it was from his (laughs) own uh, direction. so mean. And I was like, geez, man. He said that he, he had would have preferred that he had switched the first victim with this victim, the actors. Well, because she was floating in there. Exactly. But I was like, you know, I mean, maybe you set your personal shit aside. Yeah. Yes. You know, and honestly, who doesn't lie on a job application? <laughs> <laughs> have I taken the class? I teach the classes. <laughs> like, yes, of course. Like, come on, dude. Give her a break. Yeah. Back at the Campbell Center, Catherine sits next to Edward's bed. Peter comes in and pauses at the door, asking if he's interrupting anything. She doesn't answer, but he still comes inside and takes a seat at the other side of the bed. He says, he knows you're here, doesn't he? Catherine only gives him a small smile. He says that Reed told him it's very unusual for a child this young to have schizophrenia. But Catherine just says that he can't move, but that's not because of his body. It's because of his mind, the virus. Are they, is, is it an attempt to say that he has the same condition as? I guess. But, but, but the boat. Also water. Yeah, but, but. I don't know. But he was a seal. I yeah. thought. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. yeah, the last time she saw him, he was a he seal. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I gotta be, I don't know what the fuck's going on, dude. I don't know what's that. Are we trying to bridge things too late? I think so. I think it's, I Yeah. Because we have no context. We have no idea what's going on with this kid. Nothing. Yeah. And then now she's like, oh, it's the virus. Yeah. Yeah, But earlier, the seal thing. Yeah. I don't know. The accident. uh, Now he's sick. I really wish I could help you. Yeah, you're right. Because then they were saying it was making it like that was the cause. Right. But now it's a condition. Yeah. (laughs) That she knows all about. Or the seals triggered it. Well, yeah, because she said what happened. She's asking him what happened when you went sailing. Yeah. I don't fucking, I don't know. I don't know. But Peter asks. (laughs) We're just all very confused. (laughs) Just staring at each other. But Peter asks if she thinks he can change that. And Catherine only asks if there's a part of himself that he doesn't show anyone. He says that everyone has that. Catherine says that during a session, she sees all of those things and she can feel them. She says that with Starger, she felt things that she never wants to feel again. She says that he's an idealized version of Carl Starger to the point where he's not even himself anymore. He's a king of a twisted kingdom. She says he can indulge himself and then decides that she doesn't want to talk about this here with Edward. In the next scene, they're sitting outside. She tells Peter that she can never do what he does, devoting himself to understanding a mind like Starger's. Peter says that he doesn't think they'll ever be able to understand a mind like that. But she says that his job is to try, and he agrees. She asks if he likes what he does. He says that he was a prosecutor, and he likes it better than he liked that. She asks what happened. He says there was a case where a little girl, Margaret Sims, was molested. And because of a small tainted piece of evidence, the monster that did it, Charles Gish, walked away free and there was nothing he could do about it. 
The night after he was released, Margaret's parents came home and found Gish sitting in their living room watching TV. He had cut Margaret open and propped her up to watch TV with him and put her heart in the freezer so they could keep it, her parents. That was it for Peter. He quit and joined the FBI to just try and catch the bad guys instead. Catherine says, until now. She tells him that what she said about Starger not being Starger anymore is and isn't the truth. The dominant side is the king, but the positive side of him is represented by him in his child form. She says that the little boy is curious about her, and if she could just reach him, maybe he'd tell her about Julia. After a moment of silence, Catherine asks what happened to Charles Gish. Peter says that he pled insanity and got off. He calls it bullshit that they told the jury about Gish's own abuse causing him to do this. Catherine asks how it's bullshit, and Peter says that a child could go through a hundred times worse and still grow up to be someone who would never hurt anyone or anything. She asks if he's sure, and he says that he is. I was like, okay, we're going to get a story about Peter's past. No. no. I, I mean, it's clear that they're hinting at that. Yeah. But again, you're you're setting up these very, very serious character Deep. beats yeah. yeah and then not delivering on them for some reason not even revisiting them no. we never talk about that again see how cool that thing looks that's what's happening oh, oh, no. I, was like, <laughs> I was like what I was thing like, i have no idea what's going on <laughs> exactly okay no yes. yeah <laughs> point made yes Ramsey finds them annoyed that he left without telling him Peter makes fun of him saying that he looked cute and he didn't want to disturb him I was like Ramsey's been asleep this whole time <laughs> I chef Ramsey interrupting them like this I thought yeah. <laughs> it felt very awkward they're back and forth yeah. yeah we have not seen enough of their relationship to know if he's being an asshole if he's yeah. being playful yeah because there's like a weird tension yeah. yeah and there's no context not at all I it, I just I I just don't get it. No. <laughs> like I I I'm trying and it it didn't. That's why I asked do you think if we just took Vince Vaughn's character out and left Chef Ramsay <laughs> that if it would work, you know, just fine. I think it would work better for me. Personally, it might, I mean, it might. because I mean, there's really no need for there to be two of them, really. No. No, if if you just have the one you can cut down on all this weirdness. Yeah. And you can also streamline the entire everything. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't ask me when they were making no, this. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but Ramsey says that their colleagues want to know what to do with Starger. Peter looks over at Catherine and she tells Ramsey to tell them to prep Starger because she'll be right there. Ramsey leaves and Peter thanks her. She asks if Starger has any pets and we cut to Valentine licking Starger's hand in the room. Why isn't that dog being sweated in an interrogation room? <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, you're complicit. <laughs> Ramsey asks how this helps and Henry says it's on a subconscious level. Anything that was special to him may make him more accessible and more peaceful. They get Starger and Catherine ready to go for round two and shut the lights off with Valentine in the room with them. Suddenly, the light comes back on and the tables raise back underneath them. Catherine removes the cover from her face and tells him to stop playing around, but they assure her that they're not. I don't know why that's the first thing she thought. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Yeah. This doesn't really seem like a pranky situation. No. but like, well, he, They get me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> But it's a power problem. He says that they're locked out of the room now and they need her to check the circuit breaker. 
She looks over at the breaker, which is a little hazy and out of focus, before getting up and going over to it. Henry tells her what to check inside. She reaches the wall, but when she looks back, she looks very small and the tables are gone. Starger floats suspended. She looks at Henry and Miriam and then back over on the other side of the room where she and Starger both float. She says that she's already in and we can see Catherine's mouth move underneath the covering and Miriam asks what she said. She said logic and proportion have fallen sloppy dead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, you know, it looked cool. Yeah. I, yeah, it did. I feel like it's probably done more practically than you would think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was an Alice in Wonderland reference, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, it was a reference to Polanski's The Tenant. Okay. So all I was right. like, all right, I haven't seen it. So. Yeah, it's Alice no. in Wonderland. <laughs> I've yeah. seen Alice it's, in Wonderland. Yeah, we've, we've all experienced that. I, <laughs> but she crouches down, and suddenly she's in a small glass box. It is suspended very high up. She pushes her way out of the top and she falls out. We see now that she is upside down, hanging from the box by her ankles. Her hair is long again and she wears red and flowing clothes. She reaches up to try to free herself, but the rope is dropped and she falls down a hole beneath her. Her body reacts as if she's fallen into water that we can't see. She floats down into the room where Valentine sits. He is friendly and greets her with a bark, even though she seems to be stuck in water. The whole sequence from the box to her falling. Yeah. So visually interesting. Yeah. Um, a lot of the environments are matte paintings, which you would never guess. No. Like not at all. It blends so well. It's just very brilliantly done. And I I, I think that's the thing for me is it's like, let's the more time we're in the dream world. Yeah. Yeah. The more I'm into this. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> let's do this. Like clearly that's where the passion is. So let's yeah. just do this part. Yeah. But Catherine asks if Valentine can take her to Carl, and over his head, we see Carl run into that blue miniature house. Suddenly, Catherine is approaching the house. She's in her regular clothes now and has her regular hair back. She comes in through the kitchen where Carl is hurriedly drying dishes. Catherine offers him help, and he accepts it without a word. She tells him that she has a present for him. She takes off a necklace and presents it to him. She says that if he needs her or if he can't find her, he just needs to shine the necklace. She opens it, revealing a small mirror inside that reflects light when she moves it. He takes it from her, accidentally dropping a plate in the process, and it shatters on the floor. This is her fault. (laughs) (laughs) But this is what Edward had at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So she's got her methods. Yeah. I'm like, you're just giving everybody the same gift? Wow, dude. Yeah. Like, I thought I was special. The human fund. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but immediately, someone calls Carl's name. Frantic, he pushes and locks Catherine in a pantry. She watches through slats as Carl's father, played by Gareth Williams, questions him about the plate. Young Carl is very protective. Yeah. That's yeah. the second time he mm-hmm. saved her life. Yeah. yeah. Catherine tries to cop to breaking the plate, but they don't hear her. When Carl doesn't answer, his father hits him in the head with a spoon and throws another plate against the wall, shattering it. Catherine shakes the pantry door, trying to get out, but from their point of view, the door doesn't move. Catherine starts to look within the pantry as we hear his father telling him that he doesn't lie in this house. She looks down at her feet to see eels slithering in water around them. A woman tries to defend Carl and Catherine peeks out to see that the pantry looks out onto the couch now. Carl's father is in his underwear yelling at a woman who he tells Carl is not his mother because his mother left them. 
The woman is wearing a robe and Carl's father pulls one of her legs open, forcing Carl to look at what's underneath. So obviously this is awful. Yes. Yeah. I My thing as well is back to the original um, dream. Yeah. Because the bodybuilder. Yeah. That means nothing now. No. We've determined that he it seemingly never knew his mother. Yeah. So it I, I just don't understand. I don't understand. It's all very confusing. Yeah. And there's so much to unpack here, but we never get to. Like, it just yeah. keeps moving. It's, uh, yeah. But Catherine grimaces at this, and we suddenly hear a snapshot of a Polaroid. A Polaroid of a room appears on the wall behind her. Through the slats, she can see Carl's father beating him for playing with dolls and calling him a woman and other horrible slurs. Carl screams, and Catherine begins to cry. His father pulls a hot iron out of the wall, descending on Carl with it, and Catherine screams at him. When she hears something behind her, she turns to see adult Starger sitting next to a woman in a bathtub played by Glinda Chisholm. The woman, not the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn, they're credited bathtubs yeah. now? <laughs> God damn. Valentine sits next to him. Rings hang from Starger's back, and he drops a bowl stained with blood onto the floor. He smokes a cigarette as Valentine scampers away. Valentine's like not down. He's mm. like, this is rough. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he saw a cat. <laughs> this is rough. That's yeah. rough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We got it. Um, <laughs> uh, seeing Valentine leave and Valentine being a pup was very adorable. Yeah. yeah, it was. I will say he's preserving his innocence. Get out of here. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't the accomplice I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> you let him go. Yeah, I misjudged you. You're but, free to go. But see, even this shows how long it's been going on. Yeah. Yes. But we don't get anything else from the time, how long he's been doing this, because we didn't get anything from that. No. Nothing no. From the news. And if it's that long, why doesn't he, again, I know the name thing, but why doesn't he have a description? Why doesn't yeah. he have a name? Why isn't there like... Literally all you need, the uh, water tank killer strikes again. Yeah. Yeah. It, on, a, on a newspaper that one of them is reading in the lab. Yeah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> As Catherine approaches, Starger says that she was his first and he made such a mess. We see that the bathtub is filled with blood. Starger looks up at her and asks why she's here, warning her not to lie. No, this is the room where I'm like, this is literally the Losing My Religion music video. Right. Which Sing did direct. Yeah. But I was like, this is the this is the fucking same room. It's <laughs> like, I have an idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Michael Stipe. <laughs> <laughs> she says that she came to help him, but he immediately says that she's lying. He starts to call her horrible names, and she says that he sounds like his father. Starger turns his head away and in a deep demonic voice, Starger says, <laughs> I'm just thinking about <laughs> JP now. Talk to me. <laughs> wow, well, don't talk to the boy. Yeah. <laughs> Starger says that he was nothing and he is nothing. Catherine asks who told him to say that and if he can remember the first time that voice talked to him. Maybe he went swimming. We get a flash of the boy under the water and Starger says that it was his baptism. His father pushed him under the water and he thinks he had a seizure and was drowning. He smokes his cigarette as we get flashes of the baptism as Starger says that everyone watched and no one helped him except him. 
He says that his father took him home that night and broke three of his ribs and fractured his jaw. He was six. See, okay, so this, to me, mm-hmm. this is where you reintroduced Mokulok. Yeah, he, who's, who's yeah. he, except him, who? Because he never... No! Yeah. Like, elaborates on no. that. No! But that would be perfect because we've already introduced that concept. Let's say that that's what's going on. Yeah. But, Damn it. No, yeah, the only problem with that is that was a different kid. Yeah, but if it's a demon or something... It's all over the place. And if they're, all right. I mean, I don't know. I guess, no, well, no, I know, that makes sense. A lot but. of their shit is similar. So if it's plaguing both of, like, I can, it would at least connect it. Like, it would at least no, yeah, make okay, something yeah. make sense. Uh, but no. Yeah. <laughs> but no. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine looks at him sympathetically and says that what his father did was wrong and evil. He treated Starger like a thing. Starger struggles to say that his father was just more powerful than him, but Catherine insists that no one should be treated like that. Carl begins to spasm and hit the side of the tub, and Catherine readies her finger over the button in her hand. She doesn't press it, though. Starger stands up and asks what world Catherine lives in. Catherine asks him straight up, where's Julia Hickson? Look, I understand that you formed a bond with young Carl. Yeah. But it is way too soon to be asking. Yeah. I understand you're on a time crunch. Yeah, yeah. But he's not going to fucking tell you. No. Starger gets angry, kicking his stool over and telling her no names. Catherine says that she knows him and she knows that he wants to tell her. Starger begins to back out of the room, the distorted voice mocking her for claiming to know him with his mouth not quite matching. He backs up into the shadows of the corner of the room. <laughs> That's him in the corner, right? <laughs> <laughs> but Catherine only asks repeatedly, where is Julia? Suddenly, a demonic version of Starger with horns and big nipple rings appears behind Catherine. He grabs her arms, pulling her hand off of the evac button and throwing her onto the ground. Back in the control room, Miriam points out that the word denoting the owner of the brain keeps switching back and forth between guest and host. Henry says that that's not possible. I just want to say um, the FBI is really cool with learning about all this. Yeah. (laughs) Like today. (laughs) Like, yes, she's going inside his head. They just accept it. They're just standing there. That's weird. Yeah, I think that's a little more than, you know, you should, we should be knowing about uh, this. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> you're diving into someone's subconscious. Yeah. <laughs> I think we might want to figure yeah. that and out. They're like super chill. You're right. Nobody was even surprised. He's like throwing a balled up paper above yeah. his head and shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so she get the, what are we doing again? <laughs> Back in Starger's mind, Catherine is still on the ground and he crawls on top of her. She raises her hands against him, but she is weak. Suddenly, he sits up and opens a collar. He snaps it closed around Catherine's neck and blood runs down. Yeah. In the control room, Miriam is startled when she realizes that Catherine has reached a dangerous pulse. Henry cautions her to slowly disable the feed to bring her out, but Miriam says that that could lead to massive shock. Concerned, Peter comes over and asks what's going on. Yeah. So <laughs> like, I just had to take a piss. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Henry reminds him of the hypothetical situation he told about Catherine believing that the world she was in was real. Well, that hypothetical is happening right now. Hmm. It, this was a little annoying because really we we heard this like 10 yeah. minutes ago. Yeah. 
Peter's like, well, can't you just stop it? <laughs> just eating like takeout. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a button for that or something? Man. Thought you had said. <laughs> <laughs> Miriam says that it's not that simple. They've stopped it before with Edward, but this is an entirely different situation. Starger's mind is uncharted territory and Catherine is lost in it. She believes it's real. Henry says that anything they could do on their side could end up making things worse for Catherine. Miriam looks through the glass at a third face covering hanging above the empty station. She gets Henry's attention and he immediately knows what she's thinking. He tells her no because he needs her here. We cut to footage of Julia pacing away in her cell. Without warning, the water rains down on her again. Instead of hiding this time, she stands on her bed and screams for it to stop. The water eventually stops and she bangs on the glass angrily, begging to be let go and cursing Starger. She begins to search the walls of the cell, zeroing in on a bar at the top that's just a little bit loose. All I thought of during the sequence is I was like, man, what a difficult gig for an actor. Yeah. yeah. All she's doing is just getting sprayed and screaming. Yeah. And it's like, good Lord. And she's doing great. She is. Yeah. <laughs> Against I, dudes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, but you can't fucking man fuck her. <laughs> but real quick. So this is the second time water sprayed in there. Yes. It's not full. Uh, no. There should have been more from earlier. <laughs> But that water's gone now, and this is replacing that water. She was thirsty. Come on. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I get I get. we need to extend the time. Yes. But, but that's there, there the second been time that it's w gone off. Why don't you have her notice the pipe the first time? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Movie's long enough. It oh, is. Oh, yeah. We cut to Miriam installing the evac button into someone's hand. When we see who is laying down in a red suit next to Catherine and Starker's suspended bodies... It's Peter. I oh, <laughs> I can't tell you how much this pissed me off. Yeah, <laughs> because they literally pulled a we got a perfectly good fallout boy right here. Yeah, moment. <laughs> and he's Jiminy Jillikers in this fucking suit. That how did they have his size? Yeah, <laughs> because Miriam has been in this before, so they would have her size suit. It yes. makes no it's like, sense. No, we need Vince Vaughn in there. Yeah. <laughs> I just, this, this bothered me a lot. No, he, no well, experience. And, he, and yeah. he's had no training. Catherine has a lot, eight, at least 18 months worth of experience. Miriam too. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I'm saying, but pulling Catherine out could make her go into shock. Oh yeah. But yeah. Peter, it's like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the nightmares. He's never, yeah. yeah, he's never done your right. He's ruined for life. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> like, they don't give a shit. <laughs> He says that he feels bugs crawling over his body, but she cautions him that it gets worse. After a moment, she tells him that he's completely unprepared. She's been through this process before and he hasn't. But Peter points out that Catherine also went through the process before and that didn't matter. He says that she just doesn't know him. I feel like that's not making the point that, no. <laughs> <laughs> that you want it to make. Uh, no. <laughs> Miriam finally concedes and lowers the covering onto Peter's face. She wishes him luck as his brain activity comes online for Henry and Ramsey. Miriam returns to the control room and shuts off the lights. She warns Peter that the first few minutes will be very disorienting. She says to remain calm and to be sure to trust his instincts. She says that he's read Catherine's file, which I don't know what that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he needs to hit her with something personal from it. And above all, remember that none of this is real. 
But why was he reading her file? <laughs> There's really no need. Really? Is she a suspect? Not that I knew of. It's kind of like an invasion of privacy there. I didn't tell you you can look well, at my show. It, it is the government. Is. But oh, you would, I, all right. All right. You would, Never mind. Yeah. You would think <laughs> in situations like this where somebody might have to go in after somebody, there would be a code word or yes. a yeah. phrase, not read this bitch's biography and then say something <laughs> well, that's going to yeah. really hit her. Shouldn't the, quote, the code word be squeeze your hand real quick? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you squeeze her hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And then you go out together. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, my God. You're <laughs> blood drips into a tube next to peter and suddenly we're being transported through bright colors strange shapes and electricity they didn't say it but this looks like 2001 space odyssey yeah <laughs> yeah we shoot down a long colorful tunnel as peter begins to hyperventilate on the table <laughs> when he started like panting i was like did they get into valentine's mind yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh we crossed yeah, the wire yeah. <laughs> it's just a dog in the suit yeah <laughs> they, got, we suit, have been in so they got dog size suits but <laughs> <laughs> they're ready for anything we see colors pulsating and finally it all gives way to gray three identical women sit in sand holding themselves and staring up at the sky faces in a silent scream it is next to them that we find Peter face down in a puddle. A light shines on him and he wakes up with a gasp. He looks over at the frozen women, played by triplets, Monica Lacey, Joy Creel, and Leanna Creel. One looks at him and asks if Peter has seen her little boy. His father took him from her. The second one says that she spit him out of her hole, Jesus. but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> little decorum. Jesus. Chris- <laughs> 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 they I fucked you up. Yeah. <laughs> A little decorum, crease. <laughs> decorum. There you go. I think that's what you were trying to say, and then it just... Probably. He got wires crossed like that dog. <laughs> <laughs> the third says that her son is an abomination, and he has no soul. They all go back to their original positions, frozen and staring skyward. So this, I read on the Horror Digest, is a reference to a painting by an artist named Odd Nerdrum. Mm. And if you look at the painting, it is exactly... Oh, wow. All right, all right. Yep. Uh, Just another interesting little uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is very successful for me. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that looks creepy as fuck. It It does. It it makes me feel like if he didn't know his mother or if she left or the father took him or whatever, is this, he's like, there's so many possibilities of who she could be. Oh, that's interesting. That we have these three representations of her. You know, that is interesting to me. But again, we don't explore further than this. Mm -mm. And he could have maybe seen one picture. Yeah. yeah, you know, they said that they wanted to duplicate one actress three times, but they didn't have it in the budget, and so it was cheaper to hire triplets. Yeah, they're triplets. <laughs> it yeah. works perfectly. Hell yeah. But Peter is like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's taken to this world. Yeah. Pretty... <laughs> I'd he be is. freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like... <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Just <laughs> live. <laughs> They're like, oh, he's he's melting down in there. Yeah. <laughs> I knew we shouldn't have sent him. Miriam's like, God damn it, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> he turns and he is suddenly in a hallway. The light is dancing along the wall. He turns around and sees Carl standing behind a bed and shining the necklace that Catherine gave him. Once he has Peter's attention, he runs off. Peter approaches the bed, empty a second ago. Now, Catherine sits on it with her back to him. 
Her hair is dark. She wears black clothes and dark makeup with a mask over her face, covering her mouth. Peter sits on the bed next to her and pulls the mask off of her face, trying to get her attention. Catherine advances on him, you know, in a sexual way. Mm-hmm. When she reaches <laughs> when she reaches toward him, we see that she is chained to the bed. She tells him not to be afraid, but a bird cries out, getting Peter's attention. The bird's like, get the fuck out, <laughs> out of there. It's like, I'm trapped too. I don't want you to be like me. <laughs> Now her mask—that's another fucking Power Rangers. That she <laughs> looks like Lord Zed now. That's just his fucking helmet. Like, was, <laughs> well, maybe he enjoyed Power Rangers as a no, child. No, no, it was so. great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who did it, right? But when he turns back to her, she holds his face and kisses him. He kisses her back. Just before Peter can get lost in the sauce, he says out loud that this isn't real. In a POV shot, we approach from behind the bed. Peter's back is to us, but Catherine gives us a sly look. We're in the point of view of Starger, decked out in gold like a king, complete with a crown on his head. He throws a red fabric over Peter's face. Catherine lies down on the bed as Starger pulls the fabric tight. When we next see Peter, he wakes up with a gasp. He's chained to a table as Starger hums. He cleans his hands and looks over sinister-looking instruments. Catherine watches from her place on the bed, smiling. They had said on commentary that with Starger approaching Peter, mm-hmm. the studio wanted a like elaborate fight scene. And Singh was like, no. <laughs> and he couldn't think of anything. And D'Onofrio was like, well, what if I just put like a red sack over his head? And he's like, brilliant. Because <laughs> <Say> apparently... <less. laughs> well, okay. the, thing, the thing was is Singh said that it was a... In his mind, something very similar happens to... I think he said in an Iranian film that he loves... And he said that since D'Onofrio came up with it, it's something that was organic that wasn't an intentional reference. Yeah. And so he's like, that's even better. All right. Fair enough. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was just like, uh, he got taken. That's his own fault. He didn't <laughs> put up a fight. No. He's like, this isn't real. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> but Starger's teeth are small, eyes are white, and he looks bleached. He grabs Peter, calling him a naughty worm. He takes a pair of scissors and plunges them into Peter's stomach. Peter screams in agony, but Starger only removes the scissors playfully. He reaches into Peter's stomach and pulls out the worm, his intestines, before like hanging it on something above the bed and letting it hang over Peter. It's an elaborate torture yeah. right. situation. And I look, I understand Peter knows that it isn't real, but his reaction kind of is killing me. Yeah. Because <laughs> as it's happened, he's like, fuck you, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm like, dude, oh my God. A little decorum, please. I understand, but you know this shit isn't real. Yeah. You're the only one. How yeah. Mad- yeah, literally. How mad would he be if you just laughed at him or rolled your yeah. eyes or something? You're like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, hell. Hell yeah. He's loving it. Right? Where's your cape? This isn't real. You can't make this shit up yourself. You're Seriously. right. You know what I mean? You're right. He's like, no, I'm <laughs> king. <Yeah. laughs> what the fuck? Why is the crown on his head? <laughs> <laughs> but as you said, Peter screams at him angrily. But Starger looks like he's having the time of his life. He applauds. Peter screams at Catherine to wake up, but she's still frozen with the smile on her face. Starger begins to sing gibberish. 
Peter screams at Catherine, appealing to what he read in her file. Mm -hmm. He reminds her that when she was in college, her little brother was in a car accident. He was in a coma for six months before he died. She continues to smile, but her eyes fill with tears. Peter's like, I'm sorry for having to say that. He did. He did. (laughs) He apologizes for having to say that, but he needs her to wake up. We see Catherine again, the smile slowly dropping from her face and a tear falling from her eye. He screams at her that this is not real. Catherine stands finally free. She takes a sharp instrument from Starger's table. The bird is like, oh shit. Like, I don't know why we get, why we get a shot of the bird at this point. But Starger's still giggling and singing when she comes up behind him and stabs him in the back. Did anybody find like him pulling her out of it very little like anticlimactic? Like it happened so fast. Yeah. This whole thing happens too fast. Yeah, it does. And I mean, we've never established that as motivation for her. She's never like looked at a picture. She's never said, you really remind me of someone to Edward. Like none of none of nothing. There's this comes out of complete left field. Yeah. We were in her home. There could have been a picture. Why was that in her file? I maybe uh why she chose the field? I don't I guess. This strange science fiction field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Cuz that's relevant. Yes. But Starger freezes, his glee turning to shock as he looks down and sees the weapon plunging through the front of his shoulder. He begins to scream and the bird <laughs> flies away. <laughs> <laughs> Now's your chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peter screams, his face moving distorted and in slow motion as he shakes his head from side to side. Catherine, now fully back to herself, softly calls his name and tells him that it's okay. He looks down and he's not chained anymore. They're in a completely different room with running water. Peter asks where they are and they look up to see Carl standing next to a I don't know if it's a screen displaying a woman in water or if it's a tank holding a woman in water. A great question. But a floating cube (laughs) next to it shows her face closer, floating and doll-like. Catherine walks across the floating platforms over the water to Carl, realizing that this is where Starger keeps them. She comforts Carl. Peter walks over to the display and realizes that the woman inside with black eyes and white hair is Julia. Catherine asks if Carl knows where she is, if he could point it out on a map. I'm like, you're asking a lot. I couldn't point out on a map where I am. No. Take a ride at McDonald's. Yes. Yes. We need buildings. Yes. But instead of answering her, Carl simply hugs her. She hugs him back. She looks down at her hand and realizes that it's smeared with blood. Carl's shirt is stained over his shoulder where she stabbed Starger. Interesting. Mm -hmm. But she tells him that she's just so proud of him. Peter is inspecting the structure where Julia is being displayed. He sees small symbols and remembers investigating Starger's basement. (laughs) The symbols are tiny versions of the logo that was on the hoist. So branding. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that he already saw. And I don't know what he gained from just seeing the logo again. (laughs) But it's enough for him to be like, oh, of course. Catherine promises Carl that even if Peter can't find Julia, she will come back to help him. Peter yells to get Catherine's attention, spooking Carl, and he takes off. Catherine tries to go after Carl, but Peter yanks her back, saying that he found out where Julia is and they need to go. That's no, not he true. did not at all. 
I look. I I appreciate him. He's he's like, oh yeah, the reason we're here. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And I think my thing with Catherine is that uh, I'm sorry, but that boy doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you're not reaching anyone. No. That boy is gone. Country Mac is dead. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta go. It's like Bruce Willis on She's like, honey, come on. We gotta hit the fucking road. <laughs> like, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Carl is backing up away from him toward darkness where a man is standing upside down. Catherine says that she can't just leave Carl here, but as the man stands right side up, he reveals himself to be Starger. Peter pulls her away. Starger runs to Carl, flailing his arms around before scooping him up. Catherine still fights to get to him, but Peter presses the button on her hand. I don't know if he just remembered that he could do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could have done that a long time ago. That is true. Yeah. We cut to them waking up on their tables. Peter is struggling to breathe and gasping for air, but demands to know if Catherine is okay. Miriam says that she is. Peter just screams to be let out of his suit. Back in the cell, water rains down on Julia again. The floor now is completely flooded. She stands on the bed, banging against the glass. Outside of Starger's house, Cole answers his phone. It's Peter on the other end, telling Cole to get down to Starger's basement and call him back when he does. <laughs> I know that this is like the smoking gun. Yes. I just don't understand. <laughs> I yeah. don't understand how. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Ramsey comes in, asking Peter if he's okay. He asks what happened in there, and Peter doubles over in pain. Again... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just realizing that this is another thing that's introduced. That <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, nope. <laughs> not at all. But instead of answering questions about his well-being, he only tells Ramsey that he saw Julia and now he knows how to find her. I th this whole sequence, I don't understand why Ramsey's looking at him like he brought some Ross Gallops to the past. Yeah, he's fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong. Yeah. He's like fucking annoyed that no that Novak Peter whatever is doing his job. Yeah, you're yeah. solving this. Yeah, that's what they went there for. That was kind yeah, of yeah. That was. He's like, I wanted to see more freaky shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get in the Power Rangers. <laughs> Ramsey proposes that Peter let Miriam come in and take a look at him, but the phone rings and Peter snatches it up. It's Cole asking what he's doing in the basement. Peter instructs him to look for the hoist and find the logo on it. Cole finds it. Carver Industrial Equipment in Bakersfield, California. Peter tells him to find out everything he can about that machine, down to who used it, sold it, and bought it. He says he'll call Cole back from a chopper in 20 minutes. Back in the room, Miriam tends to Catherine as Henry watches the agents leave on surveillance. He announces this and Miriam is not happy. She wasn't able to clear Peter before he left. <laughs> Again, it doesn't matter. No, not at all. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he's going to collapse at like a pivotal moment. Yeah. Nope. No, he's, he's fine. He's okay. <laughs> Nobody worry. <laughs> Catherine looks over at Starger, who is taking in quick bursts of air under his mask. Catherine assures Miriam that she's fine and Miriam leaves. Ramsey follows Peter as he heads to the helicopter. He asks how he even knows what's real right now. He was shot full of drugs and he can't trust what he saw. In the control room, Henry is confused when Catherine closes the door between the rooms. He can't get inside and looks through the glass to see that Catherine is looking at a book full of medication doses. 
She groggily mutters that she promised she will help him. She messes with the levers, causing things on the brain activity screen to change. Henry knocks on the door, begging Catherine not to jeopardize her career. But she notices a card of a woman standing on a cliff. The snow inside of a snow globe flutters wildly. Okay, so remember earlier how she said that she had no idea how anything worked (laughs) and only these two ran everything? Precisely. Okay, so why does she know how to do this now? Why does she have an override code? Uh-huh. Why <laughs> does she... In there. No, yeah, yeah, in there. And why are all those things handwritten instead of typed out? <laughs> <laughs> it's like an old recipe. I, yeah, I, 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 none of this should be happening at all. No, period. No. She shouldn't know how to do that. That's not her job. She shouldn't... That means somebody took their time... To show her in case you need to override everything. And Uh and reverse the feed. (laughs) And lock us out. Yeah. And and let somebody come inside your mind. This is how you do it. Yes. Just in case. (laughs) What? But why would I ever need to do this without you? Yeah. Why? Maybe for the end of the film. Yeah. And if Miriam wanted to get in, you can't tell me they said they were doing it before. Mm -hmm. So then you mean the only one person was piloting it then but you can't do that now uh, why did Dude. you make why did you make uh vince vaughn go in there or i'm sorry what's his name again peter peter <laughs> why did you make peter go in there then I have no idea. there is no other assistance to help dude watch it why she went in there to pull her back no I, the answer I, is no <laughs> I you're posing excellent questions. Yeah, I, I really I'm just you know throwing I wish some I had stuff answers. out there. Just... But outside, Peter makes it to the helicopter and they take off. Henry consults the controls and sees that his access has been denied. <laughs> <laughs> Miriam walks in with Ramsey and other agents trailing behind her. She asks what Catherine is doing, but really, she already knows. Catherine lays back on the table, but Miriam bangs on the glass and tries to get her attention. When she tries to go through the door, Henry's like, she changed all the codes. <laughs> How? What? How? Yeah. She's she is an employee at the facility. Yeah. She's not part of like a security. Like, I don't, it makes it makes no sense. The agents ask what's going on, and they say that she's reversing the feed. They explain again that reversing the feed means that instead of her going into his mind, he's going into her mind. In the cell, the water pours down on Julia again. She screams for it all to stop and has to stand on the toilet to keep her body above water now. The helicopter speeds toward its destination. The brightness of the sun turns everything white until we are in a bright area. Snow falls around cherry blossoms and Carl stands with a small pool in front of him. Catherine stands on the other side of it, seemingly dressed like a holy figure. Okay, so I thought at the first time I watched this that it was the Virgin Mary. Absolutely. But the picture that she looked at, according to the commentary, was a photo or a painting of a Brazilian water goddess who is also the protector of children. So you're bringing in... His water thing, yeah. Her protector of children thing through the form of this goddess. 
So it I, it makes sense. It, it makes sense. It does if you know what it is. Thank you. That's I, what I was fixing I did to not. Say. I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. if you're not watching this with commentary, you don't know that. No. What you get is the Virgin Mary. That's what that's I thought. That's what she looks the, like. Yeah. That's all you get out of that. And that doesn't make sense. No. No, not at this all. This makes sense, but you got to be told. Right. Yeah. She spreads her arms slowly, the light shining from her necklace onto Carl. She beckons to him and he goes over to her, sitting on the steps below her feet. She sits next to him. Gold and flowers grow across the sides of the screen. She tells Carl that she promised she would come back and she always keeps her promises. I have to admit, I don't like the frame of the thing. It, it, I didn't like it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, like the, the gold drawn? leaf or whatever? Yeah. yeah it, it felt a little weird. I get what... I maybe what I think they were trying to do like this. She's like, this is peaceful. Look, right. yeah. This, but yeah. And then that I always keep my promises. How, how do I know that? We don't we don't know you enough. That is also true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, enough. I, I think my thing is that it all it all the framing did was remind me that it was the frame of a film that I'm watching. OK, yeah, that's okay. fair. Like and you've never done it before. Yeah, that's true. Like maybe if it were some. Yeah. that If it were in anybody else's mind yeah. like in a different way. Like like thorned vines or yeah. something yeah, yeah. for, you know, dude. I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Yeah. Carl asks if he can stay here with her, but she apologizes, telling him that it doesn't work that way. She says there's no way to change that, and Carl looks heartbroken. He tells her, yes, there is, but his voice is the adult Starger. Catherine is taken aback, and when we see him again, he is the adult Starger. He says that when he was little, he found an injured bird. He said he knew that his father would do something awful to it if he found out that he had it. It was just a matter of time. So he took the bird to the sink and held it under the water. He says that it was better for the bird this way. He saved him. Catherine catches his drift and slowly tells him that she can't and she won't do that. He's young Carl again, and he tells her that it doesn't matter anyway because he found him. Big bugs and tarantulas crawl over Carl as the snake <laughs> whines in the pool as everything grows darker. I'm sorry. I, I was just laughing. He's like, oh, it doesn't matter. I got a tarantula on my back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're fucked. We it's blew fun. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, we're fucked. We missed our window. Yeah. <laughs> but Carl says that he always finds him. This is when I was like, I think it would, with this story, I think it would have been more effective if we had more bird imagery instead of doll imagery. Fair. Because okay. I know that he was, he was, you know, abused for playing with dolls, but I feel like it keeps coming back to birds. Like it keeps like coming back. Yeah. You have the one story about his father with the bird. Yeah. Which seemingly inspired his entire, you know, murder yes. yeah. spree, but it isn't as but prevalent. dolls. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't I don't know. No, I, I do like the you know, he always finds me and the what like like okay, I get it, but I don't feel like I got enough of that. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're like I do understand the young Carl and the you know and all, but I just I want a little more of that. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, I want a little more. And who is finding him should be Mockylock. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Carl says that he always finds him. Catherine is afraid as a wind blows past them. Suddenly, the pool, once serene and blue, is filled with something scaly. It is revealed to be a cape over Starger's back as he rises up from the pool and abandons it on the ground. Looks brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Man loves a cape, too. Oh, he does. Oh, yeah. 
I have to get me one of those. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he raises his arms and wraps them around himself before quickly spinning out of view. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh no, he's gone. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> what were you saying, boy? <laughs> In the helicopter, the pilot, played by Alan D. Perwin, announces that Peter has a call. It's Cole on the other end, calling from a car below, reporting that the hoist was sold to a man named. Bainbridge, who tried to build a machine, but Bainbridge went bankrupt and the state took control of the land. Guess who was hired to seal it up? Gus Fring. Stargard. <laughs> Close. I, this reminded me a lot of the part in The Silence of the Lambs when she's trying to tell them and they're like, oh no, we're already on our way. Yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. quickness of that. He tells him where the land is and the pilot knows it and they're en route. Yeah. I'm like, who the fuck is Bainbridge? What, what are you talking? Like all of this is like a big aha moment. What are you talking about? What are you I, talking about? I don't know. And how is that piece of equipment? <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't know. know. I just. Why didn't you make it a uh, dude's father from the beginning? Edward's dad, his company. Yes, because I think their name is Baines. Yeah, just do that. Ba- oh shit! Yeah. Bain Bridge is pretty close. I don't know. I I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but back in her mind, Catherine is wearing all black leather now with long black hair. Starger is making some interesting poses in the trees, but <laughs> Catherine has a crossbow. She aims it and fires, nailing Starger in the foot as he tries to run away. As he tries to take the bolt out of his foot, she kicks him in the face. Where she learned this? I don't know. And it was weird to me that this is how she's portrayed in her own mind. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> I thought it would be a very different approach than yeah. just like whooping his ass and shooting him with the crossbow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, she's like, I played a lot of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> in the cell, there's only a small space now that is not filled with water. Julia dives underneath and tries to push out the glass walls. In the helicopter, the pilot tells Peter that they're in the area. In Catherine's mind, she stands over Starger and shoots bolts into his wrists, pinning him to the ground. She stands over him and grabs onto a bar that connects two rings hanging from his nipples. Without moving her mouth, she tells him, my world, my rules, and pulls on the bar. The rule is no nipples. (laughs) (laughs) We have a no nipple, no service policy here here in Catherine's mind. (laughs) I don't want to be there. I'll stick to my own mind. Yeah, that's (laughs) Starger screams as his nipples are ripped from his body. The helicopter approaches the building containing the cell, and Julia is fully submerged in the water. I use submerged correctly. (laughs) Fully immersed in the water. (laughs) In her mind, Catherine punches Starger in the face. (laughs) (laughs) It's just getting absurd. Yeah. Why is it so action heavy now? I I don't know. I don't know what's going on. The helicopter lands as Julia still tries to pull at that loose bar at the top of the cell. Catherine, though, continues to whoop Starger's ass. But when she stops, he is smiling, blood coating his teeth. She starts to unsheathe a sword from behind her back. When she pulls it out, the regular Starger appears before her, not the strange monster he appears as, and he begs her to do it. When she looks back down, he's full monster again. (laughs) She holds the sword above him before plunging it down into his chest. With a smile, Starger reminds her that it's not real, but he acts like it's quite real as she (laughs) twists the blade. Smiling, he tells her, me got boy. 
I said, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, what is happening? I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I got nothing. She looks over to the stairs to see Carl laying down and bleeding from his chest where Starger just got stabbed. He repeats, boy, me got. I'm sorry. <laughs> sure. Yeah. He tells her that she can't kill him and Catherine begins to cry before abandoning Starger. Peter runs into the shed, but there's nothing inside. Julia is still fighting for her life, though. In the sand, Peter finds a hidden door and opens it. <laughs> in her mind Catherine is you know virgin mary pose again Mm -hmm. and she cradles carl as starger lays with the sword still stuck in him she tries to console him and he tells her that she saved him she says that he can stay here with her she picks him up and cradles him and the world is bright again peter enters the underground and finds the cell julia brilliantly has pulled the piece away from the cell and is sucking air from it this she I we don't get a lot of characterization about her, but she's smart as fuck. Oh no, yeah, she's For real. self-aware. She like I I like this character, and I love the reincorporation of the pipe. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Her eyes widen when she sees Peter, and he tells her to move away from the glass. She does, and Peter fires his gun into it, cracking it. Back in her bright world, Catherine gently lowers Carl into the pool. We get flashes of raised hands at the baptism. Peter continues to fire into the glass. We get more flashes of the baptism and Starger does not react well to them. He begins to scream. The real life Starger is breathing rapidly under his covering, causing Valentine to bark. When the glass of the cell is only cracked, Peter grabs a pipe and swings at it. It shatters and the water comes rushing out. Catherine continues to hold Carl under the water as real life Starger seems to struggle to breathe. She assures him that it's okay at the same time that Peter assures Julia that it's okay. He goes into the cell with her, lifting her up and comforting her when her first instinct is to fight him. Finally, she stops and lets him hold her as she sobs. Catherine holds Carl until he goes limp under the water. On the table, Starger stops struggling and finally stops breathing. The Starger in Catherine's mind goes limp, staring endlessly upward, his face streaked with blood. From a view underwater, we see hands raised. In the cell, Peter comforts Julia. Was anybody shocked that she just fucking killed him? And like, it doesn't seem like anybody cares about it. Well, because it seemed like she was going back to help the child. Yeah. yeah. She's like, no, I got unfinished business. But I guess the- it's, it's like a full circle. I saved the bird's life. Like she's saving him by killing him. But like, you're, you're on the clock. Like, yeah, that's, like, that's like crazy. And you just lost your job because you yeah. forced all of them out. And- no. Yeah. Well, on the cool though, like your sister said, and that's, that was my thing. Hmm. You did you kill my con? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? I know you're trying to help. Yeah. That's a prisoner. Yes. Yeah. You just murdered. You can't do that. No. I I get your you know, but <laughs> this is real now. Yes. We're not dreaming anymore. <laughs> I thought that she was gonna let him stay and he was gonna like take over. 
fill will fill the void of like her brother or something. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't expect her to quote unquote mercy kill him and then it just be cool. No. Like it's just fine. I I loved the idea of reincorporating the baptism. Yeah. The convergence of both the climaxes for both these characters being around water. Yeah. 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 I liked that a lot, but I was like, she just murked that. Yes, she yeah. did. Yes, she did. And uh, hey, are there any consequences for her for having done this? Or? Well, let's find out. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> In the room, Valentine whines. Henry's just like, you hate to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine pulls the covering from her face and crying looks over at Starger's motionless body. She begins to sob. We cut to Julia sobbing against Peter and it fades to black. Peter, Ramsey, and the rest of the agents continue to go through Starger's home. Someone on the radio reports that she's here. Peter notices a picture of Jesus being stabbed through his stomach in a very similar contraption to what he himself experienced. He has to peel himself away when he's told that he has a visitor. He looks out the window and it's Catherine standing outside her car on the street. Valentine is inside. Ramsey says that Catherine wanted to see Starger's home and she's keeping his dog. Is that okay? I mean, yeah, a I lot of shit. Know. A lot of shit's okay that shouldn't be okay. So I, I don't know. I know we absolved him of being an accomplice, but I'm sure yeah, he I... still has some answers that he could. <laughs> <laughs> Peter goes outside to talk to her, and she comments on his lack of a suit, asking how long he gets to be a civilian. He says for a couple weeks, but that might change after the inquiry. Peter says that Ramsey told him that she was thinking of doing a reversal with Edward. She confirms this, doubling down when he asks if she's sure. He asks if she's worried about what might happen, and she says she'd never do anything to hurt Edward. But Peter says that Edward isn't who he was worried about. She's like, oh, no, I'm not going to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) It's a one-time thing. (laughs) She asks how he is, and he says that he's not sure because he only remembers pieces. According to the FBI, they put him on drugs first, and they triggered a memory that he already had. Julia Hickson was only found through good detective work. Catherine says that this must be hello and goodbye then. And Peter agrees. The two stand awkwardly. And when he tries to thank her with a handshake, she hugs him. He tells her to stay safe. All right. I mean, it seemed like they were setting up some kind of love arc before. Sure did. And uh, I guess they'll never see each other again. (laughs) So so she didn't come to see the house. No. (laughs) So that was a fucking lie. But it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) We get to Catherine wearing the same white in the clearing of the desert. But this time there are cherry blossoms around. She puts a boat up onto a tree and suspends blue fabric around it. Edward moves from his spot on the stump over to her and everything goes a bright white before fading to black. The credits roll. So what did you guys think about the cell? Wow. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, it looks great. Yes. Um, the end was very rushed. I don't like the whole Peter saves the day, then she saves the day, and then it's oh, we're all happy. What like that? That like that wasn't even an end fight. Like <laughs> no. there was that. Like there was no fight. He came out and was like, "Hey, it's me," uh-huh. and then she killed him very quickly. And that was it. It was it was anticlimactic, and we never find out what happens to Edward. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, never. at all. Does it work? Yeah. <laughs> 
They had said originally that the film was going to end with them going through Stargirl's things and seeing all of the stuff that um, inspired the imagery in his dreams. You went okay. through all of this? <laughs> Stargirl's ghost floating about <laughs> the proceedings. But I guess test audiences are like... Uh, wasn't she helping a kid at the beginning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they had filmed that stuff already and they added more detail to it to give it a concrete ending. Okay. Which is still, it's not a concrete it's ending. It's not a concrete ending but at it all. Is, it's more than just never talking about Edward again. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it is beautiful. Yeah. But I feel like the story hurts it a lot. And it 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 hurt it a lot for me, and it looks it looks really pretty, but I also kind of want to talk to it. I can't just say <laughs> you know, I don't want to just look at you. It 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 is it is one of those style over you know, and it it shows a lot. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that sucks because the cast is great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it just it didn't work for me. I, I was a little disappointed because it is such a style over substance thing. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, the substance that they have with the police procedural is kind of paint by numbers. Yeah. Very much. Everything around the imagery is great. Mm-hmm. And you see like all the hard work that's put into it and you're like, God damn, this is good. Yeah. And then they get back to the thing and he's like, you know, oh, I saw a symbol I saw once. So I know exactly where the body is. Like, yeah. how does that like. How? How did you I, do that? I don't know. And. Wouldn't you think that they would already have probably went that route from the beginning? One would think. Where did you get a contraption like this? Let's look into that. Why did you wait? Honestly, Peter, you're fired. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you're telling me I had to go into his dreams? (laughs) (laughs) How the fuck did you get this job in the first place? (laughs) You've seen it in real life. What the fuck? (laughs) We're promoting uh, Ramsey the head chef. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're fucking fire right take your jacket off yes, yeah, give me a yeah. cup <laughs> damn <laughs> but i mean i don't know it, it, it's a mixed bag because it, it's your it, the real question is how much do the visuals make up for the screenplay right and uh uh misused cast of really yes. good actors yeah I, I you know i don't know it's it's a very much a mixed bag yeah i think we're all in agreement here um <laughs> beautiful yeah, yeah. Very interesting things, things that were kind of brought full circle if you really dig to understand them. Um, but that story, <laughs> it it it's it's really difficult because they're, and I feel like again we're last week we were really wrestling with a lot of good stuff and a lot. It's the blender thing. Yeah. yeah. Can we not like no more, no more blenders <laughs> for a while? Straightforward from here yeah. on out, please. <laughs> um. But no, this it's it's difficult because there is a lot to love. But if you want anything over some really impressive visuals, if you're here for a story, you're just not going to get that. You're not going to be satisfied. It's not a complete story. It doesn't. All of this started with Edward. Yeah. What? And the what happened to him? The evil What's going thing? to happen yeah. to him? Yeah. 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 We never go back to that. I would really love to read what was written first. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing that could be possible, <laughs> but I just, it's, uh, I had a lot of fun because talking already about, oh no, yeah. I was yeah. like, this, this makes no fucking sense. But talking about it, it's like, wow, it really, yeah. makes no 
but we can kind of go into ratings. I feel like, I mean, what else is there to say? Yeah. I cannot say that I hated this or that it was horrible. It is so interesting. The like bare bones of an interesting story is there. Uh-huh. There just wasn't enough effort given to flesh it out. The performances are good. I mean, Jennifer Lopez isn't amazing, but I, you know, it, She's fine. She does fine in the role. Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio is great. Mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn is there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do agree with you that he was miscast. Yeah. And we got Gordon Ramsay in the mix. You know what uh-huh. I mean? It's just, for every good thing I can say, though, there is something that I'm like, but mm-hmm. I really would have loved blank or I would love if they clarified this or that. Or I mean, it's the story. The story's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. But I can't say that it's bad. It's not a bad movie. It's so weird. This is really difficult to score. Yeah, because I mean, it's very ambitious in some ways. Yes. And it is successful in a lot of ways. A lot of them. This is really hard. So I'm just going to go with what I sat down with today. Okay. Um, (laughs) Take the good, you take the bad. (laughs) (laughs) On a scale from one to ten, malicious mental mazes. I am going to after wrestling with myself (laughs) give the cell six out of ten malicious mental mazes this movie is beautiful and it's also kind of a fucking mess (laughs) (laughs) but i will now open up the floor uh i shouldn't take too long i've kind of already said (laughs) (laughs) um but i i do agree fully with what you're saying it is hard to rate it because watching it i was at times watching it yeah and i was like man that's fucking cool okay okay i see but then it goes back to uh, what i i I don't see anymore like what were you doing what happened yeah i do like the idea of it um us talking about it i do like the idea like you said of him coming from one boy to the other you know what i mean him being an entity or whatever um uh, cool let's lean into that yeah but you don't you know what i mean and and there's just a lot of stuff that doesn't get finished or used or like and i i don't know so it it is really 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 good to look at for sure but the story does like it it hurt a lot mm-hmm. yeah and the ending's very predictable the ending was like cookie cutter Oh, we're gonna save the day. Oh, and like everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's it's just fine. so fast. And I yeah, got a dog. And it, yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, what? You know what I mean? There's not a twist. There's not a. I, I don't know. It's just there. Yeah. So, um, for me, on a scale of one to ten, malicious mental mazes, I'm gonna give the cell a five point five. I would have given it a six. But the more we talked about it, like I stayed like, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you were yeah. going to no, say, but Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that too. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it, it is really good to look at and beautiful. Like the shit that goes on in there is like, man, I want more of that. Yeah. But I want a story to yeah. go with that. I don't just want to look at only that. No, I, I totally agree. I think my thing about it is exactly that. It is it is uh, 
interesting concepts, but dealt with in a very surface way. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the stuff that comes in with the police procedural is very kind of cliche. Mm-hmm. I just would love if they had spent more time or the same amount of effort yeah. that goes into the visuals goes into the story. Yeah. The positives, man, production design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cinematography. Oh, yeah. The score. Yep. The cast. Yep. Yeah. Like there are so many positives, but then they just get weighed down, you know? They Very get much. their rings hooked and like, <laughs> 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 or whatever the fuck. I, <laughs> I just, I mean, I don't know. But one thing I can say, and we talked about this off mic, Nay had said, if this is something that you saw at a certain age, yeah, these visuals oh, will yeah. dazzle you. They will stay with you your whole life yeah. as an incredibly nostalgic memory. Definitely. Yeah. And could absolutely see revisiting it. Oh, mm-hmm. no, yeah. But seeing it for the first time at this age, I, I was like, I don't know. I was just kind of let down. Yeah. yeah. But for me, on a scale from one to ten malicious mental mazes, I will be joining JP and giving the cell 5.5 malicious mental mazes out of 10. Very fair. I uh, The thing for me is I, I didn't realize how much I enjoy... <laughs> Uh, narrative structure <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing if there was just a little more yes. just a little more and there are little tweaks that you could literally it wouldn't like oh yeah we could do that like yeah. it's not yeah it's not gonna cost you another like 40 million no, no of course not put a newspaper somewhere yeah. <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate the cell in which we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, it is easy to feel trapped in this world. It's important to remember that sometimes our limitations are only in our own mind. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. (laughs) (laughs) A special thank you to Chris Ontiveros. Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman, Towton Watson, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, 
Adrian Stakes, Craig Kowalski, Beth, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Hannah R, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, M. Fryback, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Higuera, William Rush, Katarina, Ryan Brom, Maya Noches, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Wesley Wyatt, Morgan Frenomorph, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Carlos J Mota, and Megan M. Hey, hey got quite some new a friends. list, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just want you to know that we appreciate you all. Please keep that in mind. Ah, oh, all right. Like the, you know, the film. The whole yeah. fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> the good part. The good part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>